the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. You know, I thought one of the key parts was he said, look, I'm a sports fan, too. I'm a Minnesota native, follow the Vikings, follow the Twins, I follow all the moves that they make. And I know what I signed up for here in St. Louis, that, uh, you know, a lot of money and high expectations, and I didn't live up to him early on in the season. But he did feel like that he gained some traction uh, towards the end, and then the league uh, paused the season. So he's looking forward to getting going again. How about that? Jeremy Rutherford earlier today on Carriker and Smallman. You're listening to Ribs and BK with Jamie Rivers and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kiley. JR talking about Justin Falk. Justin Falk spoke publicly yesterday, I guess privately, yesterday with Jeremy Rutherford. So we'll forgive you. About how difficult his start to the season was, how his role was a little difficult to get accustomed to, and why he thinks... This layoff could actually be good for him. And Jamie, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Because there's no reason not to at this point. It's a positive Friday. It's a feel-good Friday here on the show. Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and look at the positives of this. All right, hit me. Justin Falk has now spent the last three months thinking about what went right, what went wrong, and how he can correct those things with the Blues in his first season here in St. Louis. You've played the position. You have certainly been on a number of teams. Yes. You know what it's like to learn new systems. And to suck. I wasn't going to add that. I'll let you go no, ahead and take right. that I'm one good with it. Yes, there's good and there's bad. Am I off base here thinking that this could be a positive for Justin Falk with the three months of having time off to be able to really figure out what went right and what went wrong this year? Well, absolutely. You know, I can tell you right now that Justin Falk, as excited as he was to get into a playoff run with the Blues, get into the Stanley Cup playoffs, and look to uh, for himself to get his first Stanley Cup and to repeat for the Blues, he was also very excited to get to an off season. The reason I say that, it's a reset. You leave the rink, you shake it out, you go over some things with your trainer, with your nutritionist, with the coaching staff, you get the video, you get a chance to totally redo things, rebuild your car, so to say. If you're, you know, got Kenny Wallace coming on later today, NASCAR, so this situation here, rebuild your engine and get ready to go for the next season. Well, that's what he's able to do, except guess what, BK? We're still in the same season. So that's a positive. Justin Falk has the opportunity now to come back like it's a fresh, brand new season, but it's going to be right before the Stanley Cup playoffs. So if he finds his game, if we find the Carolina Hurricanes, Justin Falk, 
that's going to really benefit the Blues. That's going to be like another acquisition. We already got Tarasenko coming back, which is like a deadline deal. Now you add a Justin Falk that plays like we know he can, at least in years past. That's another deadline deal acquisition. Plus minus is not the end all be all. Don't don't please don't bring up plus minus. Please. That is the most skewed stat ever. But go ahead. I know you did some work on this. Go ahead. Plus minus is not the perfect stat. But it can at least give us a little hope for Justin Falk. All right. In his last 10 games, he has a plus minus of plus eight on the ice. That's really good. I mean, that... I said that word again. That's that's really impressive. You had an extra O to it. <laughs> I know. It's always that good I that know. you had an extra O. I'm working on it, all right? The first thing that you have to do is become self-aware. I'm there. Now I've just got to correct the issue. It's your word. Just own it. Don't change, man. So he's been impressive in his last 10 games in terms of the plus minus. The points you'd like to see going up a little bit. One goal, one assist, two points overall in those 10 games, averaging 20 minutes of ice time. Justin Falk is getting more comfortable. And he talked about that with Jeremy Rutherford, and then JR relayed that message earlier today with Carriker and Smallman. Well, I think one thing, when I hung up with him yesterday, he said, look, I'm coming in, you know, in a couple weeks, and, and I'm just more comfortable. We get the house set up. Uh, you know, I know the guys. You know, do I have a defined role? No, but I kind of know what they're looking for. So I think just that is going to give him a little more stability uh, coming in. But I do agree uh, that he needs to find a place in this lineup where he's not bouncing around. And so you talk about playing with seven different defensive partners the first two months of last season. You know, in Carolina two years ago, he had two partners the entire year, you know, more than 40 minutes uh, of ice time. Seven different partners, Jamie. Seven di- different partners. This guy's Danny Mack working Cardinals games right now. He's got a different <laughs> partner every day. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have worked with you for the last month and a half, almost two months now, every day. What a blessing. It's been fantastic. And sometimes we got a different board operator that's in here. Maybe Alex Ferrario is going to be a healthy scratch on any given day. You never know, right? Got to get a little extra. That's all. So when you have a different person that you're working with so closely as we all do in this room, and certainly as Justin Falk does with his job, you got to learn their different intricacies, their different tendencies. Mm -hmm. There's different things that everybody does well and different weaknesses that everybody has. And Justin Falk is learning all of that on the fly and it was without question difficult for him to do. Now what I would like to see when they come back Jamie Rivers Mm -hmm. is for them to officially find him this is going to be your role. This is the guy that you're going to be skating with more often than not whenever you're on the ice. We're going to make it work from there. I would like to see him comfortable that way. All right. Well, that's not going to happen. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Um, <laughs> the reason it's not going to happen is because you traditionally reserve that for your top four defensemen. Those are your guys, and five, six, seven uh, kind of rotate in and out. But the good news to what you're thinking about there, BK, is at least he'll have it narrowed down to one of two guys that he'll be with on a regular basis. And if he plays well, and if he shows what he's capable of doing, then there's nothing that says he can't play in the top four. He won't start there. So, But listen, the biggest thing for Justin Falk to uh, realize, to have success for the St. Louis Blues, he was a power play type guy in Carolina. 
He's not that guy here. The points he put up in Carolina were based off the shot from the point. He has a great one-timer, and that generated a ton of offense for the Carolina Hurricanes based off of rebounds and secondary plays from there. He's not going to get that here in St. Louis. So if I'm telling Justin Falk something as a St. Louis Blues coach, I'm telling him to join the rush, support the attack. He didn't do that enough originally. He would follow it up from a distance and then want to create once you get in the offensive zone. If you're not the extra guy joining the rush, sometimes you're not going to get that op- uh, opportunity in the offensive zone. And then you're kind of caught in transition where you're a little bit out of position because you're late to the dance type thing. So for him, he needs to support the rush a lot more. In the offensive zone, he's got to be a little more aggressive. You watch Alex Petrangelo. You watch Vince Dunn. You watch Colton Pareko. They end up down behind the opposition's net. They time it right to cut off pucks, join, and and support their guys. Justin Falk has the ability to do that. He has to get in and do it. He's not going to get as much PP time, so he's going to have to make a big difference, even strength. And I'm telling you what, he starts doing that. He starts generating a little more on the offensive side of the puck. He'll get those PP reps. He'll start to be that quarterback on the second unit. And I'm telling you what, that's when we'll see Justin Falk at his best. And that's all about getting comfortable on the ice. It's also about being comfortable off of the ice. And JR brought it up there. He's got a house now. He's getting comfortable within the city. There's also something about mentally, I would imagine. I I haven't talked to Justin Falk about this, so I don't know. But there's got to be something that is difficult about being the one new guy when you're celebrating basically every other night the 2019 Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. And you're the guy that's kind of going back into the background, fading into the background, and you're just kind of there while all these guys are celebrating because you weren't a part of it. It's an awkward feeling. I've been there. I went to the Red Wings right after they won a Stanley Cup. And you're is like, it difficult? Everybody's talking about like, oh, yeah, the parades, the parties, and you're like, hey, guys. Like, yeah, okay, that's good. You weren't here. It's got to be difficult. And so here's what I would ask for the fans and for the team. Don't forget about 2019. That's never going to leave the back of our minds. But when they get back on the ice, it's all about 2020. For the first time this season, it's all about 2020. We've relived. We've done Play Gloria. Mm -hmm. We have had all of the experiences you could possibly have. We've celebrated the one-year anniversary of the Cup the one-year anniversary of all the significant games, the one-year anniversary of the parade. Now we're turning the page. It's all about 2020 and getting back to the Cup and winning it again. And Justin Falk now being able to celebrate and having those memories with the rest of the guys, that's what it now becomes about. And so I do think that can be good for him as well in that he can finally feel like he is a part of the team and he has really ingratiated himself with the team and with the community. I think that could be significant for him. Absolutely, and uh, at the end of the day, this is not all on Justin Falk, okay? The leadership group in that locker room, they've got to help with this transition. The coaching staff, uh, the, the captains, the older players, the veterans, heck, every guy who won the Cup last year, they've got to do the job of, hey, Justin, hey, Justin, here we go. This is how we do things. This, and you know what? He was getting to that point. And, and I know just because I talk to the players on a regular basis and know a few how things that you? maybe 
other people don't, but he was getting more comfortable integrating himself more into the team and certainly getting to know the systems and guys' tendencies, like you brought up earlier, not just with a defense partner, with every single line. Because when you start playing with everybody, it's a lot to remember. Trust me. It's a hard. You've got to build these scouting reports in your head of each and every teammate of what they do well and what they maybe don't do well, and you've got to support that. So, I think that yes, we're going to hopefully get the best version of Justin Falk, and that'll help the Blues. And for our listeners out there, yes, PP. They like when I say PP. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service tax line from the three one four. Justin Falk is my pick to be the biggest pleasant surprise if the season resumes. I think there's reason to believe that. I do. I think there's a reason to believe that if you get back on the ice, when you get back on the ice, he's going to be a guy that looks like he's had an off season. And we would have expected going into next season that there would have been mm-hmm. a jump from Justin Falk from what he was in year one to what he will be in year two. And I think we could see that in the postseason. Where we have to be careful here, okay? Again, is we can't set the expectations through the roof here because we're talking about he's going to be our comeback player. He's going to be the the best thing that could happen for the Blues and Justin Falk is that we're not talking about him at all for the first two or three weeks back to action. You know why, BK? That means he's just blended in nicely. He's not a focus of bad plays. And, and, you know, great if he can contribute offensively and do things positive. But the less we hear about him, that means the more comfortable he is and the less our attention is on him. Confidence is going to go up. This guy's going to take the world by the cojones and go repeat. Probably means that he's had a good plus minus as well. Probably. I'm going to plus that. minus you right in the forehead in a minute. It's 11-14. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We're going to be joined by St. Louis Mayor Lida Cruson coming up at 12 o'clock. I want to ask her about what her expectation is for having fans in the stands. But we're going to hear from another mayor, the Chicago mayor. Was a little bit of a wet blanket on this discussion. We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Fundamentally, whether it's 8,000 or 800 or 80, there's got to be a plan for safety. And we're happy to engage in that discussion with all the sports teams. Obviously, I'm a, there's no bigger sports fan than, than me. And I want to be able to enjoy live sports in the stands myself. Um, but we've got to do it at a time when we know that that's appropriate under the public health guidance. And we're not there yet. That was Chicago Mayor Lightfoot yesterday talking about the potential of having fans in the stands. He's former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers. That is Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. So yesterday, the president, the president of the Chicago Cubs went on the radio in Chicago and said, we are at a point where we believe we can bring some portion of our fan base back to Wrigley Field. Of course, this is the same team, different person, but same team that previously said that the losses are going to be biblical in nature this season because we can't have fans in the stands. Well, it sounds like that may be changing. That being said, there is a little bit of a hiccup. There's a little bit of a hiccup in all of these plans because the state that was leading the charge on having fans back in the stands, Jamie, was who? Texas. And guess what happened today down in Texas? Tell me. The governor announced that all bars have been shut down and there is now a strict limit again on the number of people who can go to restaurants. Well, it's hard to believe with the spike they had in COVID. (laughs) 
So Jeez. this is not me telling you that there will be no fans in the stands. I believe there will be in certain places and there might still be in Texas. They might be crazy enough that they're like, ah, screw the screw the situation. We're just we're going to go ahead and put them in there in the ballparks. But yeah, still no bars. It's definitely in Close play. bars, huh? I closed the bars this morning. Oh, that's more depressing than not being able to watch the sporting events. It, it certainly is. Um, so I say all of that. Say this, Jamie. I think we're still going to see fans in the stands in certain areas. I will be interested to see what Mayor Lida Cruson has to say about this when she joins us coming up at noon on the show. I'm less confident today, though, that it will be as widespread as I once did based on the fact that Texas did this earlier today. I do think that is a a sign that things are heading in the other direction of closing down more as opposed to opening up more in certain areas. Do you think it was strategic, though, a little bit, too? And I don't mean, like, like uh, politically strategic or anything like that, but if they have had a spike in cases, wouldn't it be best right now to go back to, like, cut it all off in hopes that, you know, you're lowering these numbers and you get back to something stable so that when baseball does start in however what a month and a half Mm -hmm. and football of course not even almost a month exactly now okay so a month and then football a little bit after that now your numbers are lowered and now you would sit there and go you know what now we can start to do this again so maybe it's a big plan bk and we i mean think back to a month prior to where we are just stole that plan from me i guarantee it absolutely he's listening for sure thief abbott that's what his name is (laughs) down there in texas (laughs) or thief smith think about where we were a month ago We wouldn't have assumed at that point that Texas would be closing back up, that we'd be talking about Chicago as a place where they could actually have fans. At that point, I didn't even think fans were going to be a realistic possibility here in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And then yesterday, we got some pretty good news. We got some good news about hospitalizations and everything, and we don't have to get into all of that. But we're at least heading, seemingly, in the right direction here in St. Louis to potentially be able to have the fans in the stands. And so is it possible that that is going to be a byproduct of these decisions a month from now, Jamie? Maybe. Maybe it is. Um, I, I don't think that is a significant reason as to why the governor would do it. I don't think that is one of the motivations behind it. A lot of money involved. There is, but... There's also a lot of money involved in bars and restaurants for the state, you know? This is true. So, I, but not unless the owners of the, the sporting teams are your drinking buddies. That is a good point there, that part. Because politically, these guys have a lot of influence, right? <laughs> we know of, that. They've thrown a lot of green around down there, BK. I will be very interested to see where things go in other cities and other jurisdictions and other areas where they're not having the same spike that they're having in Texas. I'm really going to be interested in what this means for Florida because Florida is also having a spike. We all know this. We've, we're watching the news. You can see the numbers, all of that. And meanwhile, the MLS is going down to Orlando. The NBA is going down to Orlando. There are multiple baseball teams that play in the state of Florida that have already talked about potentially having fans in the stands. That's the place where I think it has the biggest effect of what is it going to mean for them? What does this mean for the Marlins, who have already talked openly about having fans in the stands? What does it mean for we them? We really use the Marlins. Like, every time we do this, the Marlins. Like, they get 1,200 people at the game as it is. I, they're already able to socially distance. What? You know it's true. It is 100% true. But they're a team that is talking about it. Well, of course they are. If they don't get 1,200 people, they're going bankrupt, those Marlins are. (laughs) So that's going to be the place that I'm most interested in watching. All right. As for the Cardinals, if and when the season starts, if and when there are fans in the stands, guys that we should probably expect to be in the lineup, 
Lane Thomas and Tyler O'Neill. I think we're going to see a lot of those guys early on in the season. And Mark Saxon joined us yesterday talking about Dylan Carlson and kind of reverberating it back to O'Neill and Thomas. Listen to this. They've never really gotten a chance to see the kind of player Tyler O'Neill could be if he's truly an everyday player. Same goes for Lane Thomas. Harrison Bader, they need to find out if he can hit, right? They know he can field. So I think the plan was to find out exactly who these guys were first before you go to the younger player. And then you've always got that as a lever if your team is struggling, particularly in a shortened season. So I am curious, Jamie, what do you want to see out of Tyler O'Neill and Lane Thomas? Like the casual Cardinals fan, do you think they will be rooting for them to succeed or to struggle? Because the direct result of them struggling would be Dylan Carlson playing almost every day. Most likely. You would think that that would be the case at least, right? So if they struggle, you get to see Dylan Carlson. If they succeed, it's probably going to be more difficult to see Dylan Carlson at least regularly. What do you think the casual Cardinals fan is going to be rooting for for those two guys? Well, me being that guy, that casual fan, as much as I love the Cardinals, I'm certainly not, you know, Mr. Baseball. What I want to see is these guys succeed. 100%. Dylan Carlson, if it's true, what they all say, he's going to be a superstar for many years to come. The two birds on a bat are going to be just fine with Dylan Carlson, whether it's this year, next year, five years from now. Based on what we know, He's going to be a star. We don't really know about Lane Thomas and Tyler O'Neill. And John Mosaloc himself, way back when, when Stoltz and I were in here chatting, he specifically brought up Lane Thomas's name and how they really missed him coming down the stretch last year. So for me, it's an organization that really wants Lane Thomas to succeed and they believe he can help. Tyler O'Neill, I think there's always going to be this massive appeal because you look at this guy who's built like Mr. Universe, right? And he swings a bat. His dad was Mr. Universe. (laughs) Good point. Now, he swings a bat as hard as anybody, and we want to see him go yard. We need the hitting. The Cardinals need guys who can hit. Now, we also don't need him to strike out three, four times a game either. But that being said, if these guys are successful, two bonuses to that One, the team hopefully wins more games. Secondly, if you do insert Dylan Carlson in and he's just grabbed a hold of that position and not letting go, you have two guys that have been successful now that you can deal. Somebody will want them. The last thing you want as an organization is a commodity that you really can't do anything with. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 618 uh, or 636, rather, I'd rather see Dexter Fowler struggle than either of those two. That's an interesting perspective. Well, I don't know. That, that might just be a fact. It, it very well may be. <laughs> but Dexter Fowler is actually the guy that I would most want to succeed. And here here's my explanation, because he's under contract another season, and they're still going to try to make that work, because you have to. Listen, I... I can disagree with it all I want to. It's not my money. I'm not paying him 15, 16, 17 million dollars to ride the pine all season. They are. And I don't think that they're going to have a big appetite to do so. We know Mike Schultz has a great relationship with Fowler. And so I, I think you're going to see more often than not, he's going to be out there. He also has a great relationship with his job. 
talking about Dexter Fa- Mike, Mike Shield. Shield. Yeah, he's not going to sacrifice the overall performance of the team because he likes Dexter Fowler. If he's got Lane Thomas, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, Harrison Bader for some reason starts to hit the ball, all of a sudden, it, it, there's no choice. You just turn to the Dexter Fowler and be like, hey, man. I love you, and we'll have beers in you know in the clubhouse or in the off season, but it just ain't it ain't going there right now. Like if he's what he was last year, where he's basically a league average hitter, he hit two forty for the season. That stinks, but he had a good on base percentage for the year. If that's the guy that he is this year, I think he's going to be in the lineup basically every day. Now, if he's what he was the year prior, where he hit one eighty and is a terrible hitter, that's not going to get you in the lineup every day. But if he's basically league average, I think that's going to be it. Meanwhile, for Tyler. Tyler O'Neill and Lane Thomas, I don't think that's enough. If Lane Thomas or Tyler O'Neill goes out there and hits 240 with this season and is a major league average hitter, I think they'll be replaced with Dylan Carlson. And the difference there is the investment that they've put into Dexter Fowler already. The money. I do think that matters a lot. Yeah, it does. Who do you think, between Lane Thomas and Tyler O'Neill, who do you think will be the one that produces better for the Cardinals? I think Lane Thomas is more of a Cardinals hitter. Um, and that doesn't mean that Tyler O'Neill can't succeed here, but Tyler O'Neill is so all or nothing. And if he's not able to lay off the breaking balls, if he's not able to start hitting the other way and be more of an all around player, I think it's going to be really hard for him to have that kind of success. He can mash fastballs. We know that. That's been something that he's done at every level. Mm-hmm. But once you get up to the big leagues, it's what can you do when they're not throwing you a fastball? Which and they'll stop doing because they obviously have seen the scouting report. Exactly. And so far, it hasn't been good enough for him. Meanwhile, with Lane Thomas, last year, all he did was rake. He was incredible. He can do a little bit of everything. He's kind of got a little bit of that Tommy Edmond in him of you can play him anywhere in the outfield. He's going to succeed there, and he's going to bring a bunch of different assets to the table. So Lane Thomas would be the guy if I was betting on one of them to be a regular for the Cardinals for 2021 and beyond. I would put that bet on Lane Thomas over Tyler O'Neill right now. What would you go with? It's been my thought here for a while, and... Look, I'm learning about both of these guys, too. And, look, the appeal with Tyler O'Neill is just like he said. He can put a baseball in a different area code if you throw the wrong pitch to him. Now, how often can he do it? We're not sure. How often can he strike out? Well, we see him do that quite a bit. So I think, to me, a little bit of a question mark with uh, Tyler O'Neill, more of a question mark, rather, than with Lane Thomas. So right now, before the season starts... I am leaning towards Lane Thomas. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service tax line. Would love to hear from you guys as well. If you had to bet on one of Tyler O'Neill or Lane Thomas to be a long term asset for the Cardinals, a long term regular for the Cardinals, who would you bet on? We'll take some of those texts coming up on the other side. Plus, over under Jamie, two weeks, two weeks into the season before we see Dylan Carlson. We'll play a game of over-under next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers, Alex Ferrara is a healthy scratch today. So we're getting a pinch hitter in today. Tanner Hendrickson's in with us. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's play a game of over-under. I mentioned this before the break. Jamie, I gave you a little bit of time to think about it. Mm-hmm. Thank you for Over-under two weeks into the season before we see Dylan Carlson in the Cardinals lineup. Okay, so before I answer this, I have to get some clarification. Because I keep hearing it's seven games. Mm-hmm. 
but then I hear seven days. So, now I understand you could play seven games in seven days. So is the rule actually seven days or seven games? It's one of the two, neither of which will affect your two-week timeline. All right. <laughs> okay. So uh, if that's the case, two weeks, right? I'm going to say under. Two weeks. He just has to be on the field, right? That's correct. Under. What are you going with here, Tanner? I'm going to go under as well. I'm thinking the same thing as you, Jamie. Yeah. I don't see. I'm going under. I think I'm going to take the over, boys. Oh, you're you know what? I Hashtag think I'm going to take the over. Guy. <laughs> Here's why. Yo, wait, wait, stop for a second. You're the guy that yesterday or the day before, I can't even remember now, yep. was like, Dylan Carlson, he has to start. I why would that. you have, So then you're going over. There's a difference between what I think should be done and what I think will be done. Okay. I'm putting on my Mo bow tie here. Here's what I think Don't will be done. Don't touch Mo's bow ties. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, go I ahead. I totally understand. Here's what I think will be done. I think he'll start on... I think he's going to start on the taxi squad. I don't think he's going to start on the big league club. And I think they're going to wait the week, and they're going to see what they have in Tyler O'Neill, and they're going to see what they have in Lane Thomas, and they're going to see what they have in Harrison Bader. And in a typical season format, I think they would have waited a month or so to be able to figure out what those guys can do. In this shortened season, I think they get about two weeks, maybe three, to be able to show what they can do. And so I think they're going to wait until the end of that period when those guys have all had 25-ish at-bats, and that's when they'll decide what they're going to do with Dylan Carlson and whose job he's ultimately going to take in the big league club. So I'm going to take the over. I do think he plays for the Cardinals this season. I just think it takes more than two weeks for him to get there. All right. Playing a game of over-under. I'm not flippy-floppy at all. Flippy-floppy. Over-under, Jamie. 0.5 0.5 significant trades for the Cardinals at this new revamped trade deadline. So the trade deadline is going to be August 31st instead of July 31st. They moved it back a month. There is going to be a deadline this year. But you only get that guy for a month of the regular season now because of the way that this schedule is going to set up. So over under 0.5 significant trades at this trade deadline for the Cardinals, Jamie Rivers. I'm going over. You're going to see some guys that come out of this uh, pandemic that are either fantastic or awful when all said and done. And if that's the case, then (laughs) Big Mo is going to have to move on quickly or he's going to realize what he's missing in his lineup. and He's going to have to go get it. Dylan Carlson, like you said, that whole thing, Elaine Thomas, maybe Tyler O'Neill is a guy that you can move then. And if it's 0.5, all I need is one trade. Significant trade. Significant. Well, I would say that'd be significant. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm going over. See, I'm going under because I think the big key there was you said you only get him for a month, Mm -hmm. and that doesn't seem like Mosaic. Just making a trade, get a guy for a month, because I'm assuming rental aspect on this, getting help, going down the stretch. I'm going to leave it because I don't see a trade because of that one month that doesn't seem to fit Mosaic. But that one month now is like considered to be like half a season. Yeah. It's true, but I, I don't know. I just don't see it. I, to right. me, I see the Cardinals just staying put all year. And Mosaic's going to say, I either proved you wrong, and this team was good, and we could have done this for a full 162, or he's going to be bashed for not doing enough beforehand, before the pandemic. So I think there's two sides to this, Quinn. I think there's a good point that you just made there. Yeah, there's an over and an under. <laughs> I think there's something else to consider here. Everybody's going to be in it. 
You're going to play like 25 games before you get to the trade deadline. And so even the freaking Kansas City Royals are going to think that they're in it. They're not. I, I'm breaking Come news on, here. Come on. They're not going to be in it at the trade deadline. But there's so few games that it's so difficult to actually create that space between the contenders and the pretenders. Everybody's going to be mixed in between. If you look at the Vegas over-unders right now, the highest one on the board, I think, is the Dodgers at like 36. The lowest one is like 22. That's not that wide of a gap between the best team in the league and the worst team in the league. And everybody else is smushed in between. And so I do think that will create what is going to be fewer trades at the deadline. And I do think that's going to affect the Cardinals. I don't think they make a significant trade at the deadline. I do think they'll make some sort of a significant trade in the offseason. And that's when we see the activity, not at the deadline. Also, too, you have to remember, you could make a big trade, give up some prospects, make blow it out of the water to see we're going to go all in on it and then you could have five guys in the middle of your order test positive and all of a sudden you put all these assets in on this one move and now it's like oh no maybe this didn't pay off because that two-week stretch could be 10 losses or something and then you could be out of it yeah but here's now i'll tell you what this actually that's a good point t-bone this actually for me reaffirms my over because if they start getting tests that are positive, they may have to make a significant move to go get a healthy player. They might, or they might say it's not worth it, given yeah, the fact that we just might. had... they They might. I got a chance. Over under, Jamie, speaking of the virus, over under 1.5, one and a half of the sports leagues that are coming back. So Major League Baseball, the NHL, and the NBA. Over under one and a half of them starting and finishing their season. Got three choices, three possibilities over under one and a half of them actually finishing this thing. Okay, I think he, I think the NHL and the NBA will finish for sure. So I guess I'd be going with the over on that one. Yeah, I'm the same way. I think the NBA and NHL finish. The MLB I'm not 100% certain on, so I'll take the over as well. I'm getting a little worried about the NBA here. I thought this was, what is it, Positive Friday, PK? It, it is, it is. I'm, I'm, the reason why I say that, what happens if LeBron James, Giannis, or Kawhi test positive? Well, they have to go on the IR, beat it. They do. I think that's when the NBA has serious issues. I think they, like, Jason Tatum, God bless him, I hope I hope this does not happen. But if he were to test positive, I think you can continue the postseason. They're going to continue it, BK. They have too much uh, invested in this. Heck, they got these smart rings. They've got all this stuff going on. They've spent millions of dollars to make this happen. As much as LeBron and all these other guys, Giannis, are so important to the NBA, finishing out this season is the goal. And if they have to go without those guys, then it is what it is. That's when it becomes a real test, though. Because then, it's I don't even know that it would be on the NBA. Remember the tweet from Patrick Beverly, and I've referenced this a few times. He said, if LeBron's hooping, then we all hooping. If LeBron's not hooping, then what happens? Who's the voice? Yeah, but if he's not hooping because he got sick, that's different than, hey, I'm going to sit it out because I don't believe in this. 100%. No question about it. But I will be interested to see how they respond if that ends up happening. Because then you also have the side effect of, well, the Lakers probably are getting booted out of the playoffs now. Is this even a real champion? They're fine without him. Final one, over under. (laughs) Twelve and a half glasses of wine for Jamie Rivers today. (laughs) Okay, so how many glasses are actually in a bottle? 
I I don't drink enough wine to know for sure, but I I want to say like three, three and a half. Three. Let me check though. Let's check it out because I think that's important. And now what what is actually how many ounces? Five glasses. So okay, five glasses of wine in a bottle. Apparently. And you said. But I think your glasses might be a little bigger than the ones that they are suggesting. The USDA des- <laughs> defines one serving of wine as five ounces, and I think yours might be a little more than five yeah, ounces. I, I'm pours. using a, um, a a rocks glass, not even that, more like a beer stein to put the wine in. I'm too lazy. I don't really want to go back and pour all the time. So, okay, so if it's five glasses and the over-under is 12 and a half glasses, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, guys. I'm going to go with the over. And if I were you guys, I would bet heavy on the <laughs> over for tonight. Uh, I don't know you that well. This is only my second time Dare. on this show, so I'll just say I'll, I'll take your word for it. I'll go over. All right, there we go. This is the most stone-cold block over <laughs> in the history of the over-under games. The, the biggest over that I've ever felt confident in. Jamie walked in today, for those in the audience, and was just, he was walking around, he was pacing, he was bothering me as I'm trying to put together the show. (laughs) I mean, it was unbelievable. Jamie typically, Jamie works his ass off, not just on this show, but he's got a million different companies. I don't even know what all of his jobs are, frankly. I don't, he he does stuff here in Canada. It's all across the (laughs) world. I don't know what he does. And it's just from, like, 6A until, like, 2A, Jamie's going, (laughs) going, going, going. And so tonight, after the last couple of weeks of being back in that full gear of really doing everything, I I can't imagine what tonight is going to be like for Jamie Rivers and the River Circus. It's going to be incredible. Saturday mornings is my only morning that I get to sleep in. So you better believe I'm going to blow a hamstring out tonight running this marathon, and I will be crushing some fine vino. No twist-off top tonight. No box wine tonight. Oh, it's a real special occasion. It's It's not going to be that special because I don't make that much money. However, it's going to be a better wine than one would think for Friday night. Speaking of special occasions, we got to talk about the point. They're doing their radiothon right now, Jamie, and they're taking... Taglines along with whatever song you want to play. Oh boy. We've got to think of what song we want them to play and what we want our 15 second taglines going to be for our donation. So okay. we're going to make a donation to them. We've got to figure out what our tagline's going to be Can and what our song's IOUs? going to be. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. We'll take your recommendations. We'll go ahead and brainstorm next. Questions and answers on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe? Text now, 65780. It's Ribs and BK's Questions and Answers on 101 ESPN. That's Jamie Rivers. He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK. So, Jamie, we got to go quick here. We've got the Mayor Lida Cruson coming up here in just about 10 minutes or so on 101 ESPN. But first, over on the point, they're currently doing mm. a radiothon. And they are taking donations. And with that donation, you get a song of your choice and a 15-second tagline to put along with it. 
Here's what the fast lanes sounded like when they decided to do it on the point. And this is the last one, uh, but it, but I got to save the best for last here. Uh, $120 donated by four gentlemen named BT, Anthony, Ranj, and Meat. The fast lane on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Listen to this. This is the tag. The best talk show in St. Louis. Way better than the Riz Show. Seriously, way better. 101ESPN.com. I'll, I'll go ahead and refund their money. And also, they want to hear Ween push a little date. Oh, oh man. Yes, man. So, we have to decide by the end of our show today. Mm-hmm. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. To get your suggestions in, we've got to decide on a song and a tagline for what we want to do okay. for this radiothon. All right, we got to figure out. They're playing any song, right? Any song. So, knowing that it's Donnie Fandango, mm-hmm. who's near and dear friend, but he has a very specific kind of music he likes. Let's try to find something that maybe Donnie might vomit a into a trash can <laughs> that if he has to play it. I was thinking you're the best around. Might be a, a good one to go with. I do like that. And it's very, very pertinent to, well, everything. You know. Yeah, you're the best, BK. I feel like that's at least a leader you know in who the clubhouse. Sings that? Uh, let that's me that look it up. That's song from the Karate Kid. I'd sing it, but you guys would certainly turn <laughs> off your radios. Joe Esposito? Sure. That is the guy who uh, sings that. So... I think that's the leader in the clubhouse. If you have suggestions, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. We can certainly get into some of those as we go along now here today. Now the 15-second tagline. All right. That's the tough part. And that's the one that we've really got to decide on. Okay. We can do this. We can do this. Obviously, it's got to be themed to the song because, you know, and now piggybacking off the fast lane saying they're the best talk show, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're going to have to fire some uh, some cannons here, I think. We have multiple people telling us that Donnie absolutely despises Bon Jovi. Oh, he does. Despises Bon Jovi. He doesn't. Yes, he does dislike Bon Jovi and his music. But he had a moment not too long ago when quarantine pandemic all started. John Bon Jovi was in his own restaurant in New Jersey, and he was covered head to toe in PPE, serving dinners for volunteers. Oh, and it kind of won him over, huh? Ah, why did you have to do that? Now I have to like you. So now Donnie is opening himself up to the possibility of liking Bon Jovi. I mean, suddenly. At least maybe the person, maybe not the music. Doesn't mean that he likes the music, certainly. Correct. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. We'll get into some of that as we go along here today. I got to ask you one thing, Jamie, before we get to the mayor. Mm hmm. Have you heard anything about this Saharan dust storm that is taking over St. Louis over the next couple of days? Yes. I read a thing on it. I actually almost used it a couple of days ago for our junk drawer material. Uh, I read up on it, and it's like this dust tornado that's like making its way across the world. And that is supposed to hit here, what you say, today? Tomorrow? Yeah, it's supposed to start today. That sounds positive. Okay, listen. I'm no scientist. No. Everybody in our audience certainly knows that. The Saharan des- Desert, like yeah. the one that is in Africa, their dust is yeah, coming no. to St. Louis? No, the Sahara Desert, the one that's located in Rolla, Missouri. Okay, that's unnecessary <laughs> to make fun of me. No, the, the reason why I ask that is that seems like it should be physically impossible. It, it shouldn't be able to make it all the way over to St. Louis. Now, obviously it has, and it uh-huh. is, 
but that seems like it should be impossible. You'd think it would lose its luster, say, halfway across the Atlantic? Right. Yeah, I know. At some point, there's like, you know, a a swift gust of wind that throws it into the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. (laughs) How is it making it all the way across the Atlantic? And then not only does it not stop there, it continues into the United States over mountains, over rivers, and suddenly is here in St. Louis, Missouri. I don't need this. I don't need this in my life. I didn't sign up for the Saharan Desert, a storm here in St. Louis. I wonder how bad it's going to hit here. And should we be wearing our protective eyewear out there today? I mean, you, ever get, a, you get a little dust in your eye? Jamie's just at all times wearing <laughs> I mean, the, uh, the Horace Grant goggles <laughs> as he's walking around. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I'll be channeling him while I'm out in the parking lot. Who is the psycho? You're just driving down I-70 and looking around like, hey, guys, what's going on? As you've got the goggles on in your car. I, I've done something similar to that before. My kid's in the car. I've put on, like, some awful glasses and put a hockey helmet on and strapped it right up and drove around. People stare at you. It's pretty amusing. That's incredible. Yeah. I bought when I went on vacation with Kara. Uh, this was a few years ago now. And uh, No, this was at a, at a beach. We went down to, uh, it was Galveston, so not like a super nice beach, but, but a beach nonetheless. There was sand. Exactly. There was sand and water, and it counts as a beach. And uh, I didn't have any sunglasses at the time. I was was down there for an internship, and it ended up, we turned it into a vacation. Didn't have any sunglasses down there. So we went to, like, this this hut area where they just add all these different sunglasses. There was, like, 20 different pairs, right? And, like, Mm -hmm. 15 of them were for women, so there were very few options for the men. And I bought these ones. They were the most hideous things you've ever seen. And she was embarrassed the entire time that I was with her and I was like, listen, I gotta make this work. So we just made a world of the bombers. I've worn my wife's sunglasses before. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I forgot my sunglasses. You look ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, but you're the one that has to hang out with me. So, yeah. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Are we gonna see fans in the stands for the Cardinals this summer? We know they're gonna play. Are you gonna be there? We'll ask Mater Lida Cruson when she joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. He's former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to be joined by Mayor Lida Cruson here on the show. Mayor, how are you doing today? Thanks so much for taking the time to be on with us. I am great. Thank you. I appreciate being on with you. Absolutely. We're thrilled to have you. So let's start with this. I saw some news yesterday that it seems like there are some positive trends with the numbers with the coronavirus here in St. Louis. Can you tell our audience with a quick update as to where we are and what the trend lines look like for you right now? Well, the trend lines in uh, the St. Louis region, city and county still really look pretty good. Uh, you know, we're watching these numbers every single day, and uh, the numbers that we're watching are the hospitalization numbers. Yesterday in the entire region, uh, all four of the major health systems, there were 245 people in the hospital as a result of COVID. Now, I got to tell you that earlier on, a couple of months ago, that was as high as 775. So, It looks good. Now, that is not to say that we're out of the woods here with this. COVID is still with us. But I think that, you know, the people of the St. Louis uh, region have, have, we've just gotten smarter. You know, we're, we're practicing social distancing. We're wearing our masks, washing hands, all that. And it makes a difference. And so uh, we're, we're doing, knock on wood, we're still doing pretty well here. 
Mayor, uh, with this transition to reopening the state and trying to get back to some kind of normalcy, what has been the biggest challenge for you and your administration as far as keeping people in St. Louis educated and also being able to proceed with caution? Well, you know what? I think always the biggest challenge is communication, just getting the message out there. And I, I do have to say, thanks to programs like yours and, and other media outlets, um, you know, that's been extremely helpful because, uh, you know, being on your station reaches thousands and thousands of people uh, that there'd be no way I'd have to reach those people otherwise. So the communication, the uh, educating folks to understand that, you know, we're having to figure out how to coexist with COVID and uh, has has been the biggest challenge, quite quite honestly. We're talking with Mayor Lida Cruson here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Now, Mayor, I saw earlier today there was some uh, tough news down in Texas and that they are starting to close down again. They are uh, limiting the number of people that are going to be allowed to be in restaurants, and then they've closed down some bars as well. How do you make sure that we prevent that here in St. Louis of having to go back to where we were and instead are just continuing to reopen the way that we are currently? Well, I think the only people that can make sure that happens are all of us who live in this region to practice social distancing, wear a mask. Uh, I mean, that is just really key because, uh, and, and you know, get, getting tested, we have a lot more widespread testing now. And that's part of the reason you're see, seeing more cases is that there is a lot more testing. And those cases were probably out there before, but because you had to have, you know, so many symptoms to get a test, uh, we, we didn't find them. We weren't aware of them. So. It really is is just about continuing to spread the word. Uh, I am somebody asked me the other day, well, do you think we'll have to pull back here in St. Louis? And I said, I hope not. We are prepared to do that if we absolutely have to. But rather than than, uh, you know, make those preparations, let's just all wear a mask and stay six feet apart uh, so that we don't we don't have to do that. So, Mayor, that leads me to my next question, and I'm sure you know it's coming because we are the Sports Talk Radio Show, and we want to know if things keep trending in the right direction and we're able to manage the numbers, is it even fathomable that we have fans in the stands, even a small portion of it, for St. Louis Cardinals baseball? You know, I hope so. I, that's that's really my goal as well, and I know it's the Cardinals' goal, uh, you know. But you got to do the six foot distancing, and you've got to uh, wear masks and all that. I am hopeful that we'll get there. Here we are at the end of June. Baseball is going to start at the end of July, uh, and we'll have all of August, and we'll have September. And and I certainly uh, that's my goal. I certainly hope so. I know we're all ready. Uh, to uh, get back in the stands, but we're going to do it if we can possibly do it safely. Mayor, if the numbers are then in August, in September, what they are right now, is this a climate right now that it would be possible to have fans in the stands at Bush Stadium? You know, I think we're on the bubble here. We got to figure that out. We'd have to work through that with the health department. Uh, And, you know, in another month, we'll have more information. You know, it was only three months and about two weeks ago. It was March the 16th that we had our first case here in St. Louis. So just a little more than three months. Just imagine, just think back to how much 
you know, things have changed in three, a little over three months. And, you know, we're talking about something that's another two, three months away potentially. And so things have changed rapidly in this, this whole arena. And uh, I, cert- I certainly hope so. What are the things, and we're talking with Mayor Lyda Cruz in here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. What are the indicators that you're going to be looking at whenever you do ultimately make that decision? What are, what are the specific numbers? What are some of the things that you'll be paying attention to that will inform that decision? Hospitalizations uh, primarily and the number of new admissions to the hospital. We track that every day as well. Yesterday, I think there were 17 people in the region that were admitted to the hospital. But we're looking at that, and we, we just have to continue to see this uh, this downward word trend. And, you know, at one time, we had as many as uh, 70 people being hospitalized, every new hospitalizations every single day. And now we're, we're looking at, at 17. So that's good. Um, but we got, we're looking at that every day to make sure that we don't end up with, uh, you know, 30, 35, 40, 45, you know, the number of the number going up like that every day. That would tell us that we've got a really big problem if, if we begin to see that. Mary, you brought up the word communication earlier in our conversation. And I'm just wondering how essential is it to have good relationships and good communication between local government and state government in order to, you know, hopefully drive those numbers down and make sure that everybody's on the same page? You know what? It is always better if everybody's on the same page. You know that. And, and of course, you know, outstate Missouri has seen a different different look at COVID than we have here in the city of St. Louis. But they're beginning to see an increase in their cases as well. Uh, so it's always better. But, you know, it's a situation where one size doesn't fit all. When you're here in a dense urban area, you've got a different situation than somebody who is living in a very uh, more more sparsely populated area. So it's good to be on the same page, but we have to make the decisions here that are that are good for the, the folks of St. Louis. Now, Mayor, I did want to ask you as a little bit of a follow-up to the fans in the stands, there's also Ballpark Village and the question of you, if you could have those bleacher seats filled whenever the team does ultimately start playing games. Is that something that you're anticipating will be possible? You know, I think at... At some point, it will be, and, and you know, I, I wish I had a crystal ball, but my sure. crystal ball's got a big crack in it right now, you know. That's <laughs> <laughs> all fogged up. <laughs> but uh, so so I don't know that for sure. I, I definitely hope that that is the case. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm really proud of the people of the St. Louis region who have really stepped up and said, oh, maybe I better wear a mask. Maybe I better stay six feet apart uh, because that's the reason we're in as good a shape as we are. And, you know, it's still here. We It, the, it hasn't gone away. We don't have a vaccine. The only thing we've got is our own behavior to try to tamp this down. So I, I think St. Louisans have done a great job. And uh, I hope that we don't, uh, you know, sort of backslide on this. Uh, because if we do, we'll begin seeing it in the numbers most likely.
We're talking with the mayor of St. Louis, Lida Cruson, here on Rivs and BK. Uh, mayor, I did want to ask you, because for the last three months, Jamie and myself have been talking about the money side of things with baseball. And I want to ask your perspective on that, because it's a big moneymaker. The Cardinals are here in St. Louis in terms of taxpayers and the revenue that you're bringing in from people going to all of those restaurants and bars downtown. Do you know a ballpark estimate, and pardon the pun there, of what kind of revenue the city is going to be missing out on if there are no fans allowed in the stands this year? Well, our projection here is uh, in total for next year's budget is a decline of $67 million. Now, that's everything all in. That's conventions and baseball and, and, you know, the number of people that are unfortunately unemployed, which is very high in our region and across the country. And that's the other reason we want to have... fans in the stands, that means more people are going to be working there. And uh, that means folks that have money in their pocket and uh, be able to provide for their families. So I did hear an estimate that a a baseball game is a couple hundred thousand dollars. Um, I don't know if that's the exact number, but we know that it's big because we're always so excited when the Cardinals go into postseason because that's good money for us. So (laughs) we want the fans in the stands, too. Now, Mayor, a final question from me here today, and it surrounds small businesses. And obviously, everybody has taken a gut punch uh, financially through this pandemic. What is there set, set in place right now as far as strategies and maybe some programs that are available that small business owners can look forward to moving you know, into the next month, in the next two months, as we try to climb out of this financial trouble we've had from the pandemic? Well, of course, there are the federal programs, the PPP program, payroll protection. And, you know, that that program has been going on for a while. But the city of St. Louis, and this is a small number, but we have a $5,000 grant available uh, to folks who have uh, fewer than 25 employees. You got to go online. You can just go on our website and apply for that. Um, got to have a business license. Got to be located in the city. St. Louis County had a similar thing. Uh, and so you do... I think these businesses, of course, we want them to take advantage of that because if they're able to continue, that means they're going to be able to keep people on the payroll. And keeping people employed is just fundamental to making uh, you know our whole economy work. Last thing that I have for you is we're talking with the mayor of St. Louis, Lida Cruson, here on Ribs and BK. One thing that I I know I have taken advantage of during this pandemic, and I would imagine a large number of our audience has taken advantage of it as well, is the to-go liquor and beer that has been made available. Is this something that you think could potentially be permanent moving forward, Mayor? Well, I I think it should be permanent. I think that... uh you know, there are, we've shown that this can work. The Board of Aldermen, I think today, they're actually considering whether or not to extend it through uh, December 31st of this year. To me, that's a no-brainer. Um, you know, if you can order a, a pizza, now, you know, you can't, you can't deliver beer or, or mixed drinks or whatever to kids that are underage. We all know that. But there are ways of, of making sure that, uh, you know, those, those limitations are in place. And, and I think it's so helpful to the uh, restaurant owner who's got, you could walk into his restaurant, sit down and order. So why can't you pick it up and take it home? So I think it's a good idea. Well, I think it's a great idea, <laughs> Mayor. And when all this is said and done, uh, maybe we'll kick back and enjoy a cocktail as uh, things look better and brighter here around St. Louis. 
Sounds terrific. I'd love to do that. That's Mayor Lida Cruson, Mayor of St. Louis, joining us here on Ribs and BK. Mayor, first of all, thank you so much for your time. I know you are a busy, busy woman right now. If we don't talk to you beforehand, a happy 4th of July to you and your family, and hopefully we'll talk with you again soon. Absolutely. Everybody be safe out there over the 4th. You got it. That is Mayor Lida Cruson joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. All right, a lot to react to there, including... We've talked a lot about why baseball is returning back to the field of play. And it's the same thing for every sport, every pro sport and college sport. It's all about the dollars. That's also why we could see fans in the stands. We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Hey, welcome back to Ribs and BK here. 101 ESPN. I'm Jamie Rivers. Brandon Kylie is uh, setting up some audio stuff so that we can tickle your eardrums here this afternoon. And our third man in, T-Bone Tanner, back there helping out at the same time. So, BK, welcome back. Thanks. Thank, thank you, Jamie Rivers. Um, T-Bone, if you want to do me a huge favor, if you want to pull the audio for Mayor Cruz in on how much money they're going to be able to make from this, uh, that would be super helpful for us. So, we just talked After to- our promotional cut for that, too. Absolutely. Yeah. We talked to uh, Mayor Lida Cruson, the mayor of St. Louis here on Ribs and BK. If you missed it, I would highly recommend checking it out on the podcast page on 101ESPN.com. I did want to bring up something in particular that she said. I teased this going into break. And we've talked a lot about why, what's the incentive for baseball to come back, for hockey to come back, for the NBA to come back, all of these different things, right? And it's very simple. It's about the money. They want to make sure that they are able to get the revenue that they were going to miss out on by not finishing out these regular seasons or playoffs. And it, it may sound crass to say it that way, but that's really the only incentive. As much as we would love to see these champions crowned, that's not the reason they're coming back. It's to earn the money, and that's on the owners and the players. They both want that. Same reason we come into work every day, Jamie, right? We want to be able to provide for our families. You guys get paid. Occasionally, it, it, huh. I think it's like every two weeks. I think that's how they work it here. It, it, yeah, we, like, we right. do. Are these guys are getting paid. We got to talk. So, and that's the same reason why St. Louis wants to have fans in the stands. Listen, they're not going to do it if it's not healthy, if it's not safe for everybody involved. We know that to be the case. But I asked Mayor Lida Cruzin. What does a typical game day mean for the city of St. Louis? And she told us it's about two hundred thousand dollars per game. For St. Louis. And she also told us they're looking at a $67 million budget shortfall for 2021. You know what helps towards that? It doesn't make it whole. There's no way they're going to be able to make that money back. It's impossible at this point. If you've got 30 games where you've got full fans in the stands at $200,000 per game. Did the math on this, Jamie. That's about $6 million that they could make up. Now, they're not going to have the full fans. It's not going to be possible. But if you get, let's say it's at some point 50% of that. You could make two or three million dollars off of having these fans in the stands for the city. That's not for the Cardinals. They're also making a bunch of money off of that, obviously. The city is making uh, money off of that as well. And so what is the incentive for them to do this? It's that. It's the millions of dollars that could be made upon fans going to these games and then also going out to the restaurants and the bars and all these different things, hopefully safely, obviously. But that's why there is an incentive for the city as well. Yeah, the takeaway I had from it all, which uh, was was great uh, of the mayor to donate some time today to talk to us, but I got the feeling I got from it was that 
we just need people back to work, right? And when the Cardinals are playing, you know, we won't have the Blues this year, obviously with the Hub City thing going on. But if the Cardinals play, there's things that operate around it. The bars, the restaurants, the parking attendant, whatever it is, right? You're able to provide your city with opportunities for employment. And that's the number one thing through this pandemic, apart from the health side of things, but the unemployment rate that has grown and grown and grown. And, and certainly, uh, as mayor of the city, Lida Cruzen wants to make sure that she can get ahead of that and provide for her voters and certainly the people who support her. So, yeah, the Cardinals going back to play, that means job opportunities. Heck, even if it's just to hire a whole brand new staff that after every single game they have to go through and sanitize everything in the stadium. Hey, guess what? You've got a job now, and you're helping out the city, and you're helping out the Cardinals. I think the main thing that I got from it was that we definitely want to see more people have the ability to make money, to be employed, and to contribute. And we don't think a lot about the the ushers that are up that take you to your seats, right? Or the vendors that are out there, the guys that are working in the parking lots, all those different people. And those are people that would be making a living based on this as well. So that that's all super important. Now, how's the decision going to be made? I wanted to hear that from Mayor Lida Cruson as well. What is What are the factors that will go into this? And she made it pretty clear. The numbers that she's really looking at are the hospitalizations, and the new hospitalization. So the total number of people that are in the hospital at any given time and the number of people that are coming in on any given day. Those are the two critical numbers for her because we are testing more now. And so as a result of that, we are going to see more cases. You don't want to see more cases, of course, because we don't want this virus to continue spreading. But it's it's going to happen. And so you have to be at least okay with that right now and understand that while also in the back of your mind thinking, okay, how are the critical cases going at any given time? That's what she's going to be paying attention to. And she said that right now on any given day, they're looking at about 17 new hospitalizations. It was previously around 70 hospitalizations per day. She said right now we're on the bubble of whether or not she would allow fans to be in the stands. So my guess would be, this is an assumption on my part, kind of reading between the lines, Around 15 is probably the threshold. If we're on the bubble right now, you want to get that even lower. If you're around 15 new hospitalizations per day or somewhere around that area, mm-hmm. that's probably around where we need to get for us to be able to see that. Tell you what, St. Louis, it's in your hands, man. Be smart. You know, keep that social distancing, whatever it is. I don't really care what you believe in or not. Just follow the dang rules. And we can get back in the stands and watch some Cardinals baseball. Six five seven eight zero. It's interesting you say that, Jamie, because from the three one four, why can't it be up and uh, up to the fans to decide when they want to come back? It kind of is up to you. <laughs> it, it is. It kind of is. If first of all, if you don't want to go to a Cardinals game, you don't have to go to a Cardinals game. So it is totally up to you on whether or not you do actually go out there. Mm-hmm. It is also up to all of us as to whether or not we're going to be able to go to Cardinals games because. We can't eliminate this virus, but we can help to prevent the spread a little bit. If you wear a mask, if you practice social distancing, it seems like that's the best way for all of us to be able to at least get these levels lower than they were and keep Mm -hmm. them around where they are right now here in St. Louis, if not lowering them even further. So, yeah, we can help this. We can help decide whether or not we can go to Cardinals games or Hopefully, this would be awesome if maybe during the Stanley Cup final, we're able to go out to Enterprise Center if they're able to make it in these actual cities for one round at the very end. Maybe we could go see the Blues again before the start of next season. 
That's all up to us, though. Mm -hmm. We've got to make that possible by making sure that all of us are being smart in our everyday lives whenever we do decide to go out and do decide to, as I have been partaking, getting some alcohol to go. Yeah, that was good news, huh? How about that? The mayor, you know, I like it. See, see what right away she was like, oh, yeah, and I hope so. So, you know, the mayor likes to sit back at the end of a day and have a cocktail. Did we ask her last time what her drink of choice is? We did. Um, I forgot what it was. uh, Yeah, I told you to write it down. I know. Um, I know. There's other stuff going on, Jamie. Yeah, no, we did. We talked to to her about. I'll have to go back and listen to that. Because uh, we're doing the grilling mm-hmm. and the drink at that time, we talked to her about some grilling and we talked to her about her, her, you know, drink of choice. I believe it was a nice glass wine. I think that was it. But I'm pretty sure she was a wine. I guy. don't want to put words in her mouth, especially. I know she doesn't want me to do that. <laughs> Certainly so, not. No. Have you been partaking in the the to go drinks? At all uh, yet? No, not really. I mean, well, a couple times, but I don't mind. So here's the strategy, okay, BK? Okay. And I'm assuming that hopefully nobody I have in my household is listening right now. I like to get out of the house. Okay. I like the little TV timeout. Hey, I'm going to go grab the wine right now. Yeah, get out. Listen to, you know, whatever's on the radio. Lots of times the fast lane's going on. I get a chuckle listening to those guys. And I go and buy my bottle of wine or two or three. Head home, and I'm just fine. Get a little pause in the day. I enjoy it. See, here's what I do. I do the same thing, but I go to my favorite places that um, have drinks that I would otherwise have there, right? Mm. And some of them are are maybe a little further away, right? It just happens to be pretty far. That's what you're craving. (laughs) That's right. And at any given time, maybe I'm going from North County to South County suddenly because that's where the drink of choice is. Maybe I'm going to Columbia. My best drink is there. I love going out there. It's great. You know, maybe it ends up being a four and a half hour, five hour trek out to Columbia. So I I did. I did love hearing from her that she would like to make this a permanent solution because what a way to generate some more revenue, especially for these restaurants that are hurting right now. Where I do see it being a little bit of a speed bump is delivering it to a house. Yeah, they're checking IDs, but you I mean, I hear that there's such a thing called fake IDs. Yeah, but that's the case anywhere. Even if you're going to a restaurant, that that ends up being an yeah, issue potentially. This is true, and that's that's where these these people have to be smart. I mean, with you it. went to college. I know you never had one, so certainly fine. never had one. Yeah. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Jamie, I am a newfound NASCAR fan. I can't wait for Pocono. <laughs> Cannot wait for Pocono. And now we've got another driver that we can talk to right here from the great city of St. Louis. Paul is going to join us next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Thrilled to be joined by a NASCAR driver for 25 years in a native St. Louis. And he is Kenny Wallace. And he's joining us now on the show. Kenny Thanks so much for joining us today. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm even happier now because this show is so famous, and you all think of me. I love you. <laughs> I don't know about famous, but we uh, we certainly have enjoyed doing it nonetheless. So, Kenny, let me start with this because in this pandemic, I have decided to take up NASCAR, because I got nothing else, Kenny. We got no sports. We don't have baseball. We don't have hockey. I got nothing to watch. So I've decided I'm a new NASCAR fan, and this weekend we got Pocono. 
Tell me a little bit about it because I know nothing about NASCAR or otherwise. What should I be watching for at Pocono this weekend? <laughs> well, you know, I'm always honest. And, uh, you know, I'm ashamed sometimes that i got to tell everybody, look, I truly am a lover. I mean well. But <laughs> on the other hand, on the other hand, you know, there, also, there are some, some games that are, are not fun. You know, the Blues could win six to nothing. You know, for for us around here, that's fun. That means we get to drink more beer when our St. Louis Blues win six to nothing. We have the same thing in NASCAR. Some racetracks just aren't that exciting. But uh, Pocono is a very big, very long, very unique racetrack. It is a triangle. It, It is the weirdest shaped track we have in NASCAR. Very, very different. So it's uh. Up in the Poconos, up in the mountains, and the man that owned the racetrack, uh, Joe Mattioli, was one of the very first people that got connected with NASCAR back in the fifties. And they and NASCAR has always been oil, so the track is on the circuit. It's one of the older ones, and it, it can be boring, but still, it is a lot of fun because it's so big. They shift there, which is very rare. They go down the straightaway. We will have in-car cameras on Fox. I say we because they're all still my friends, all the leaders. Uh, they'll have in-car cameras watching the cars to shift down the straightaway, entering the corners at 200 mile an hour. So it's definitely something to watch, but don't judge us on this one race. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny, I got a question then, okay? So... Being that it's a unique track and that, like you said, it may not be the most exciting, whatever, who do you think is uh, is a favorite then for this race? I mean, obviously, it's a unique situation, like you said, so there's got to be one driver that, you know, this falls into his wheelhouse. Yeah, there's there's three drivers that come to mind. Right away, uh, we watched Denny Hamlin in the number 11 FedEx uh, Toyota Camry. He, he is always uh, listening to me just now. I'm, I'm acting like I'm still in racing. I'm giving you the number and the, my car, the plans. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Hey, we appreciate it. We're yeah. new to the sport, Kenny, so we, we need yeah. all the help we can get. Yeah, well, you know, drivers are taught to, you know, talk about our sponsors and car manufacturer. But Denny, get back to Denny Hamlin. He's got a lot of finesse. Denny is not a wild driver. He's very good at techniques, shifting and things like that. So, Look out for Denny Hamlin, number one, Ryan Blaney. He is part of Team Penske, so Roger Penske. Uh, Roger owns the three cars. He owns Brad Keselowski's car, Joey Logano's car, and Ryan Blaney. So look out for Ryan Blaney. He's a winner up there. And, and you know, I would say uh, Kevin Harvick. So, so those three cars, uh, you know, look out for them. Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Kevin Harvick, and... If you can remember, just Team Penske, if you can remember saying that, Team Penske has three very fast cars this year, and all three drivers drive for the same owner. They've all been winners this year. We're talking to Kenny Wallace. He raced in NASCAR for more than 25 years, and in 2006, how about this, Jamie Rivers? He was NASCAR's most popular driver back in 2006. Kenny, I wanted to ask you about that because, again, as we are new to this sport, we're trying to decide who are we going to root for, who's going to be our driver. Who do you think, as of today, would be your pick for the most popular driver in 2020? 
Well, we already know who that is, and, I, and this is a little look into our sport. So it, it's kind of like a Tiger Woods phenomenon in golf. Our most popular driver is going to be Chase Elliott, and, and it will be Chase Elliott for years to come. There is a phenomenon that's starting in NASCAR 30 years ago. If you all you're young, but if you remember Bill Elliott, Bill, his nickname was Awesome Bill from Dawsonville. <laughs> Dawsonville, Jordan. Yeah, it was a really good nickname. Right? I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah well, yeah, well, Bill Elliott was from Georgia, and he won like 12 most popular drivers in a row. But what's wild is the great, the late great Dale Earnhardt Sr., he never won it. But, but when his son came along, Bill Jr., he won it like 15, 18 years in a row. It was insane. So it's just a phenomenon. It's something that we need to talk about in a bar over beer. But it's, it's going to be Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott is taking right off or Dale Jr. left. Because Dale Jr. is retired. Remember, he doesn't mm-hmm. race anymore. But so uh, Jr. had Chase Elliott driving for him. So Dale Jr. owns a race team called Jr. Motorsports in our second-tier series. It would be equal to tri- AAA. And uh, Chase Elliott drove for Jr. So as you can tell, all the junior fans love Chase Elliott because Dale Jr. loves Chase Elliott. So it's going to be Chase Elliott for years and years to come. All right, Kenny, I got a question here because I, I mentioned this, uh, I think, last week on the show uh, because people were talking about somebody had the nerve, of course, right? Our text line. They had the nerve to say, you know, is NASCAR really a sport? And then I chimed in, okay? I came out swinging for you guys and I said, those drivers. Go through a lot. It is grueling driving all those laps. That car's not easy to handle. But, you know, that's coming from me, the former hockey player, where I don't know squat, really. Can you tell us a little bit about how hard it is to be a driver, and especially to be a consistently good driver? And I will give you a little bit of history on this. So remember the Philadelphia quarterback, Donovan McNabb. He, he worked for us at Fox Sports for quite a while. And he said that. He said he said live on the air. It wasn't taped. He's like, them NASCAR drivers are not real athletes. Oh, Lord. Oh, boy. Well, our, yeah, our seven-time champion, Jimmy Johnson, is an incredible athlete. He, he runs marathons, and, uh, and he's the ultimate athlete. So uh, Donovan lost uh, because what happens with these race cars is most of our races are 500 miles, oh. and the temperature, it, yeah, the temperature inside the race car, because of the motor heat, and because you're inside of a car with fireproof uh, uniform on, helmet. I mean, look at the sweat just at a damn hockey game. Jamie, we know how nasty those locker rooms are. <laughs> oh yeah, sweat. So I mean, times that times five. We will lose easily. I mean, I have lost easily 10 pounds in one race. You're all shriveled up. So here's what I would say different, okay? You hockey guys got to have great calves, you know, strong slap shots. We have to have cardiovascular, and we do have to have muscle tone. So I would compare auto racing to, you know, some type of athleticism like running, biking, uh, you know, baseball, 
something like that. You know, or and I, it quite possibly you could stand out in center field the whole damn damn game and a ball never come to you. But boy, you better be ready. You know, so uh, so that that is the way NASCAR and auto racing is. We are athletic. But we're not on defense or offense in a football game. It's not a strongman competition. And, you know, you got if you're a NASCAR driver, you better be able to run 20 miles right now, and and they will do it. All all the drivers will. So maybe that gives you a better look inside NASCAR. We're talking to Kenny Wallace. He's a he raced in NASCAR for more than 25 years. Native St. Louis in here on Ribs and BK. I, I love that you mentioned Jimmy Johnson because I wanted to ask you about him. This is, I, I learned this on Sunday, uh, it's his final year in NASCAR, and right now he's number six all time in terms of the number of wins that he's had in the NASCAR series. Kenny, how great is this guy? For some of our audience that maybe doesn't watch NASCAR on a typical day, where does this guy rank in terms of the all-time racers in NASCAR? Basically the greatest. I mean, I'll tell you why. Uh, first of all, you rattle off. Well, let me go back. Our greatest drivers of all time, our stand usual, our, you know, uh, you know any, any great hockey family, you know, you name it, is Dylan Hart Sr. and Richard Petty. So in auto racing, those are our, those are our guides. And they both, Dylan Hart Sr. and Richard Petty have won seven championships. That's unprecedented. It's unbelievable. And that's what Jimmy Johnson just did a handful of years ago. He won his seventh championship. Now here's why it's difficult. Because in modern era, it is much harder. We have way more competitive cars nowadays than we did in the 70s. Back in the 70s and even the 80s, it'd be hard to find 10 good cars in NASCAR. And those 10 always ran in a group. They always were head and heels above the rest. Jimmy Johnson came along in an era where there was 30 really good teams. Jimmy had a spurt at a time in his career. Well, he was doing Superman-type stuff. Now he's getting a little bit older, and he's not as good as he once was. But that's athleticism. That's that's why we all slow down. That's why we all retire. Jimmy Johnson will go down as one of the greatest of all time because he won those seven championships in a time where the competition was so hard. It was off the charts. And, man, can he drive. Holy moly. Now, it is harder for him nowadays. But that's to be expected. It just, and that's why this is his last year. He recognizes it. All right, Kenny. Speaking of championships, you know I got to go there. Oh yeah, our St. Louis yeah. Blues, big Stanley Cup championship last year. Looks like we're getting closer to having a playoffs coming up. What do you think, man? Are we going to repeat or not? Well, I think we're, I, I, I love that NHL has decided to go ahead and, and do this because I feel like it's the most legit, right? What were we? Were we about 14 games shy of the full season? Yeah, it depends on who it was. Some teams were like 13, some were like 14, but right in that ballpark. Okay, so, so I mean, we were 99% done with the NHL season anyway. So, to me, it's the most legit run for the Stanley Cup, you know, out of all sports. Uh, you know, I got to tell you, just in my opinion, I, I kind of think it's how Tara Stinkle, is he going to be fired up? You know, is he going to, uh, 
you know, they've been shown on the news him working out, and he looks good, but you guys could teach me that. We're going to have to make sure some of our players, now listen, I don't pretend to know anything. I'm just a big fan. It, to me, it's like what team comes back fired up? You know, because we all know we learned like two years ago when we were the worst team in the middle of the year and we got fired up, you know. Of course, we let our, our coach go and da-da-da. But, you know, we're, we're all in the – we all have a feeling, and my feeling is this. If Tarasenko can – you know, Tarasenko, in my opinion, was never a captain. He was a great player. But but he, he's got to step up. He's got to go, damn it, I'm back. I'm excited I'm back. And, uh, you know, he's got to score some goals right away. Uh, and, you know, what team comes back after this horribly long layoff and, I mean, gets at it right away? So, to me, um, yes, we can win the Stanley Cup. Absolutely. I truly feel that uh, because we're, we're playing good. But, you know, this layoff, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. It really is. And, you know, I live in Blues hockey, but I'm a realist like you guys. So I'm excited to watch. I'll be watching every second. And, uh Let's go, Blues. Well, Kenny, I'll tell you what. Those are great takes. I agree with what you said, and you're right about Tarasenko, and you're right about the challenges of coming back. I do think he's going to come back motivated. And you know what, buddy? I I personally think that maybe we'll be drinking some beer out of the cup again, okay? Hell yeah. I got goosebumps. I mean, I, I wish I could take a picture of him right now. He's just saying that. I mean, my goosebumps are a quarter-inch tall tomorrow. <laughs> Kenny, we absolutely loved having you on today. We are new to the sport of NASCAR, so we appreciate you teaching us everything that we need to know going into Pocono this weekend. Let's do this again soon. We got to talk blues. We got to talk NASCAR. Let's do this again soon, if you don't mind. I appreciate the break. Give give us a break in NASCAR now. Believe me, we're not a bunch of rednecks. We we do have a great sport, so thanks and uh, Thanks for calling me and talking about it. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Kenny, you're the best. Thanks so much for the time today. Thank you. You got it. That's Kenny Walsh joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Love that guy. We got to do that more often. That's a guy we have to drink beer with. Yes. Have to. Yes. And I would love, I want him to be our NASCAR and Blues insider. Yeah, but of course, Kenny, we can't pay you because we don't have it in the budget. I mean, I just found out today that these guys get paid, and I mean, holy crap! Listen, there will be no, there will be no money in it for Kenny, but you know, we he could come on with us, which well, seems like a payment in and of itself, right? Lana Cruzen said thousands of people are listening. <laughs> she, she broke news to me. Yeah, she told us earlier. She's like, yeah, you know, people like yourself talking about <laughs> Jamie and I uh, having us on your show, which thousands of people listen to. It's like, whoa. <laughs> What show? This, this show? I was like, wait, did our listenership go down? I thought it was something that was 100,000, but yeah. no, I'm just kidding. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We'll open up the junk drawer next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time to open up the junk drawer with Ribs and BK. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and DK on 101 ESPN. I'm getting us started today because I'm not happy about something, Jamie. All righty. Diving into the junk drawer and my favorite cake. My favorite cake. Where's your favorite cake from, Jamie? 
Do you have any place in particular that immediately comes to mind for you? No. Costco. Guy. The answer is Costco. Oh, really? The Costco cake is a famous cake. Is it? It's delightful. It's the sheet of cake. Got that filling right in the middle. It's unbelievable. I look forward to it every time that I go to a birthday party and there's Costco cake available. Okay. Well, it's never going to be available again, potentially. Wait, what? I said that right. Costco has discontinued Costco cake. Normally, it can serve up to 48 people for less than $20. And according to this story, Costco has decided not to bring it back. They're done with the Costco cake. Jamie, I've never been more broken up about anything in my life. But do never. We, what's the whole backstory on it? Like, how do you just get it? Like, if, if you're... BK, if you're this big of a fan of Costco cake, you can't be alone on an island here. So here's what happened. It's reportedly due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic as large-scale events are postponed or canceled and in a response to customers' comments on Facebook to, quote, help limit personal contact and create more space for social distancing. Costco has reduced service in some departments. At this time, we are not making sheet cakes anymore. Okay, that doesn't make much sense to me. There will be 10-inch cakes that will still be available, so you can still get your Costco cake, hmm. but it's not the same. It's not the same. Those massive cakes that you see at the birthday parties are no longer going to be so available. So it's just more of a risk for the big cakes, and they can still make the small ones? Please tell me about that. That's like the MLB having... You can't be within six feet of somebody, uh, but, yeah, you're going to sit next to them in the locker room. Yeah, like, and you can go in an Uber an with Uber them. And you're going to be in a hotel with everybody. Like, are we? what is going on here, Costco? 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line from the 618. Guys, BK is broken up about a cake. But he's not broken up about the fact that he doesn't know how to change tire. That's absolutely correct. <laughs> well, can you imagine if you got a flat tire on your way to Costco to get a sheet oh, cake? Oh, God, that would be broke. I, I would be devastating. Would you just strap on the shoes and just run at that point? Well, then I would find out that the sheet cake's not there anymore, and then I would just, it would be the day from hell for me, Jamie. Uh, right. That's, that's a good point by you. Speaking of a day in hell, okay, um, we have been dealing with the Tiger King through this entire pandemic, and it seems like something keeps poking its head up every other week, and we're still getting tentacles that are growing from this entire docu-series. Well, Carol Baskin, who everyone loves, not, uh, is uh, promoting a smartphone game about big cats. So Carol Baskin is not just running her big cat rescue anymore. She took over Joe Exotic's former zoo that was run by the uh, Jeff Love or Jeff Lowe. Jeff Lowe. <laughs> Jeff Lowe. That guy Lowe, all right. And now she's created a uh, big cat rescue virtual reality tiger game, fully immersive games that lets the users track and learn about tigers. And Carol goes on to say, quote, it's clear to me that most people don't understand that breeding tigers is causing their extinction in the wild, not preventing it. Carol Baskin is back in the news, BK. She is really taking advantage of all of this. She is really basking in her moment of glory. Well done, by the way. Well done. Very well done on that one there. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. Last thing that I wanted to throw into the junk drawer, because this is truly junk. Okay. Colin Cowherd on his radio show today. 
I'm just, I, this is basically me ranting. I don't know how this happened. But no, get it out, man. Get it out. It's Friday. You do not want to carry this into the weekend. I appreciate that, Jamie. And I've got to get my take off here because this this is really oh. bothersome. This is really bothersome to me. So, take two. <laughs> take two. Throw, throw the flag. Throw the flag. Colin Coward. He got it. Knows. He knows. That was well done. Colin Cowherd earlier today on his radio show ranked the top five arm talents in the NFL. The top five arm talents. I'm going to give you these starting with number one and working our way to number five. And you tell me why you think I'm mad about this list, Jay. Okay. Oh, geez. I already know why. Go ahead, though. Number one is Russell Wilson. Okay. Number two is Tom Brady. Number three is Drew Brees. Number four is Kyler Murray. And number five is Jared Goff. Okay, so wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Before your head explodes... What is the criteria again? At most accurate or most powerful? Arm talent. Okay, so it's a combination of both. Okay, so again, Russell Wilson, I don't really have an argument with that. I think Russell Wilson's a heck of a quarterback. He should definitely is be he on number this list. One? I don't know. He's on this list, okay? Absolutely. I love Tom Brady. He's my boy forever and ever, me and Tom. But he shouldn't be here. No. Not at this point in his career. Like, I love you, Tom. You were on this list for forever, probably for 15 years. But in the last five, let's be honest, okay? It just, it's not happening. So Tom should be off that list. Uh, Drew Drew Brees, he's had some problems there. I don't think necessarily he makes this list. If he did, maybe it's sneaking in at number five, okay? Kyler Murray. I don't know enough about his arm strength or accuracy. I could listen to it. I could listen to it. But, and I know where you're going with this, how do you not have Patrick Mahomes on here? Jared Goff's on here and Patrick oh, I Mahomes I even forgot about not? Jared Goff. What are we doing? What, what what are we doing? Listen, I understand Colin's job is to get people like me to talk about him. I I get it, right? Come on, man. Like, you could just throw me a bone and put Patrick Mahomes at five. That's going to get you discussion because Patrick Mahomes should clearly be at worst at number two here. I would have him at number one. Aaron Rodgers should be on this list as well. But Patrick Mahomes is really the one, right? He was the MVP of the damn league in his first year as a starter and then followed that up by winning the MVP of the Super Bowl in which they won all three games in the playoffs after trailing by double digits, with Patrick Mahomes being the sole reason why they were able to do so. And his arm is what makes him special. Like, the things that he's able to do with his arm, you know, the sidearm, the no-looks, all of these different things. It's his arm talent. Like, this is insanity. T-Bone, what do you got for us? Jared Goff's not even top 15. And when they when the NFL draft was going on, some people were comparing Joe Burrow, I think his arm, to Jared Goff's, and I just oh. sat there and was laughing, and <laughs> I went, fight him. I was just going, Joe Burrow definitely has a better arm than Jared Goff. Apparently, Cowherd said Patrick Mahomes can, quote, be a little erratic. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, because Jared Goff can't be erratic? My lanta. I'd have Jameis Winston on there ahead of Jared Goff. <laughs> A star NHL player, and no, I'm not talking about Jamie Rivers, wants to make some change in the NHL. We'll tell you about it next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. So we'll get to the NHL player that wants to create some change here in just a moment. Jamie, I've got a baseball update for you. Oh, that can never be good. It's not. From Buster Olney. 
There is growing concern within a lot of corners of baseball about executing an effective health and safety protocol and the timeline prescribed by the Players Association and the MLB agreement. As you might expect, so many complications, some foreseen and some unforeseen. Again, that comes from Buster Olney. A follow-up for Maury Brown, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago, of Forbes, he said, I'm worried about this. As an example, there's approximately 1,800 players expected to report by next Wednesday. All are being tested with results to be back 24 to 48 hours after, and players are locking down while they wait. I haven't heard, but is it possible that there's already issues with that? So many unknowns here. So this is what I talked about the other day. Maybe not verbatim, but remember I said, okay, so they got all this financial stuff. They've created all this war back and forth. Yet the number one thing that everybody started with a long time ago was the pandemic and the health risks. That got put on the back burner while they threw darts at each other throughout the financial negotiations. And I said the other day, last week, now I'm worried that because that's over with, now the health risk is going to rear its ugly head again. And here we are, BK. Here we are. Here we are, and there are legitimate reasons as to be concerned about this. 1,800 players, a lot of players, to get into, I guess, 26 different areas over the course of the next five days or so. And we've seen the NHL's doing this in, like, at least the Blues, and I think this has been the case for a lot of teams. It's almost like phases within the team. So they've got the four phases of the return-to-play plan, but they also have within each individual team. It's like, okay, this week we're going to do three players. The next mm-hmm. week we'll get six, and then we'll work our way up, and we keep adding in a couple of players to see how this thing goes, and eventually you'll get to the entire team out there on the ice together. But right now, that's not the case. Baseball's not doing that. They're just saying, yeah, go ahead. 60 players, go ahead and get them all out onto the fields. We'll figure this out as we go. I'm sure <laughs> it'll be great. Their commercial, too. So th- that's where the issues could potentially arise. We There are so many questions that we have about how baseball is going to make this work. The first one is, well, you're going to be in each individual city. What are they going to be doing whenever they go home? That's a big question that legitimately deserves to have some answers that probably haven't been discussed enough thus far. Another one that I have for you, Jamie, is false positives. We haven't talked a lot about this, or false negatives, frankly, could be the case as well. The Orlando Pride, remember that um, women's soccer league team that we talked about the other day? Yep. So Basically, the backstory is they had to, like, remove themselves from the championship, right? Correct. So they had too many positive tests because apparently, based on some reporting, they had gone out and they were exposed to it when they went out together amongst the team. That's what they did. And there were too many of them that got a positive test back and they decided, "Ah, it's not even worth it. We, we, We just can't go do this. Well, now they are saying that there have been inconsistencies within their test results. We don't know how many of them were inconsistent, but they tested again the next day. And now we don't know how many are actually positive and how many are actually negative. But talking with some people that work in the healthcare community, uh, this is also an issue there. There are some tests that come back positive and then the next day they're negative. And so it's a false positive. And this is going to be something that I'm really interested to see how baseball deals with it 
Because if you only test one round, and I don't know what the plan is, but if they only test once before these guys all start going back out to the facilities, you could there could be an issue there. Oh. Um, so you're going to probably have to test these guys multiple times the way the UFC is before their next fight. They're on five rounds five. of testing. Yeah. You're going to have to have that before you're able to really get these guys well, back the NHL onto is talking about again. daily. The NHL is talking about daily. And I don't know if it's in phase three that they're going to go daily, which would make sense because that's like you just described when everybody's coming back. You probably want to get that testing done right away. And then certainly phase four, the NHL is talking about once they get into their hub city, that these guys daily. The players, the staff, the trainers, people surrounding the team, it's going to be an, an everyday thing. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. This one comes in from the 636. There are a ton of companies that employ 1,800 people and are back to work full scale. I don't get this. Don't be pansies. So here's <laughs> It doesn't actually say pansies. It says something else, but I appreciate that. So here's, here's the reason why I do think this matters in a big way. Even if you don't care about the coronavirus and you, you think it's all made up and all this stuff... You still need to care about this, and here's why. Because let's say that they do go back gung-ho the way that they're talking about. And there's people that end up showing up that have a positive test. It's a false negative, or they just they haven't tested them enough, and they end up getting through the cracks, and they've got, they've got somebody at the camp that has coronavirus. And mm-hmm. they expose, let's say they end up having four other guys because they were exposed to that player test positive the next day. Well, it will be, what is that, July 3rd-ish? July 1st, whenever they report back. Mm -hmm. They now have to quarantine for two weeks. Let's say a couple of those guys were pitchers. They going to be ready to go at the end of the month, whenever we're starting this back up, in two weeks, 100% ready to go. I would argue probably not. And so even if you don't care about any of that other stuff, you probably care about the Cardinals. And so if you care about the Cardinals and you want to see their team at full strength whenever the season gets started, when every game counts for 2.7 times what a game typically would in terms of importance, yeah, you're going to want them to figure this thing out. Because even if you don't think it's important, they do. And they want to make sure that their other guys are not exposed Mm -hmm. so that way they can limit the risk. So that's why everybody has to care about this moving forward, Jamie. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's going to be, listen, it's going to be a process. I know some people hate that word, but it is. It's going to be a process for these teams and every sport, for that matter. So, yeah, buckle up, Buttercup. (laughs) It's 114. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. All right, so I teased it before the break. I promise I'll get to it next. There's a star player in the NHL that wants something significant to change, and if it doesn't change... He ain't showing up for the playoffs. I'll tell you who that is next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. So we just had somebody bring up some swag to the station. Yeah. It's a good Friday. We're getting gifts from people. It's fantastic. A good buddy of mine, Luke Mathis, startup company. Him and his buddy Jack. It's called Slapshot Lawn Care. Tell you what, one of the best logos in the business. So I have a little bit of an issue, though. Okay. He brought up hats. Yeah. Can't do hats. They, I look I look like a clown in hats. I just look like a total idiot. Is that because your nose touches the brim? Now, that's part of the issue. Um, I also just have a small head in general. Oh. So the snapback, which so is what this is. Is it the small head or the big nose? Or both. is it a combo? It's, it's all the above, yes. Okay. The, the answer to the question is yes. Okay. 
Um, when I wear it with the brim in the front, yeah, I look like I'm 12. And when I wear it reversed, I just look like a total clown. I look like an idiot. And so it's uh, it's a no go for me. Hat. Yeah, well, in general as well. Oh, okay. But this just really accentuates uh, my look. Yeah, just look like a total moron. Yes. <laughs> Remember the answer? It's yes. I don't think you look like a moron. So we're getting a picture in here. Mike Ryder getting a picture for uh, I would imagine social and six five seven eight zeros the Air Comfort Service text line. And our Twitter account is at 101ESPN, so I'm sure that uh, we'll be able to post that up here momentarily. All right, so what we teased before we went to break, there's a star player in the NHL that wants to promote change. And his last name is Panarin, and he used to play for Chicago. He has now said, quote, for nearly two decades, the players have protected the owner's income with escrow, including throughout this pandemic crisis, even as owner's equity continues to grow exponentially. It is time to fix the escrow, Jamie Rivers. We as players cannot report to camp to resume play without already having an agreement in place. We are all in this together. Now, Jamie, you talk to guys within the league. Uh. How have they responded? To our Timmy Panarin saying this. Our Timmy, just, dude, put the phone down, log out of Instagram, take a lap, get a breather. Look, nobody wants to hear this, right? We just went through all this kind of crap with baseball. The NHL was getting high praise, and the NBA high praise for keeping this kind of stuff out of social media, keeping it out of mainstream media. And then Artemi Panarin, who now plays for the Rangers, so certainly a big market there, he drops this out on Instagram. The problem with this is that that's one player. There's 700 guys in the league in this one voice. Now, can is it a big secret that the players don't like the escrow? Of course it's not a secret. Who, who else? Who would love to pay the owner's losses? You don't like that, Okay. But this is not the way we're doing it, boys. I mean, come on, Panarin. Be a little smarter. Let your union do the great job that they've been doing throughout this entire process. And the fact that Panarin says, oh, I'm, you know, we're not going to play without an agreement in place. Well, that's just false. He's one voice among many. And, heck, the Rangers may not even end up being in the playoffs after all this. So don't worry about it, Panarin. You could be just fine. And just yesterday, Joey Vitale said he's seen kind of a, a tune shift within the players over the last week or so after all those positive tests popped up going into the weekend last week. And he was like, listen, some of them were spooked. And they were like, what, what's going on here? Is this just going to become a regular thing? And if it is, that that's obviously a huge issue for the NHL. Mm. And this week, it sounds like that's kind of calmed down a little bit. And the guys are now excited to just get back out there and play hockey again. That's what Joey Vitale told us yesterday. Now, the question that comes up next is, where are they going to be playing? Because we know roughly when, and we like to believe that it's going to happen for sure, but where? Pierre Lebrun just tweeted this out, Jamie Rivers. NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly says it does not appear as though the Hub City's decision or announcement will come today. Still more things to iron out, so we'll see what the weekend brings. Do you know why it won't happen today? Why is that, Jamie? Because tonight is the NHL draft lottery. So how? why on earth would you cannibalize something positive when you can get a couple of different days of media coverage for this stuff? So good decision by the NHL. I'm sure they have their pick made or they've narrowed it down to... Three out of uh, the possible, what, five that are left. 
But yeah, there's no need to announce it today. Let the draft lottery take over. Let's talk about some positives, and maybe this is a Monday morning announcement. That would make a lot of sense, because now you've got tonight, if you're the NHL, right, and you're just looking at this through the the PR, mm-hmm. media, spin, 24-hour news cycle perspective, tonight you've got the lottery, and you're going to win the cycle that way, and you keep yourself in the headlines, maybe it's Sunday night, maybe it's Monday morning, and you announce where you're going to be, and then you are able to have conversations surrounding your league on that day as well. Yeah, for the whole into rest the of the week. week, too, yeah, right? Like. Look, the draft lottery is going to be interesting because Ottawa Senators have like three picks in the top ten. And if they win the draft lottery, they could potentially have picks one, two, and like four in this upcoming draft. So along with all these possibilities, you get the draft lottery tonight and it gives everybody the weekend to talk about all the different scenarios that could be out there, what teams are in what position, how this affects anything at all. And then Monday morning, you bring up uh, the hub cities and how you're going to proceed with that and move on from there. And you're trying to generate momentum for your sport. Can I be honest with you about something, Jamie? Uh, Please do. I don't really care where they play. I don't care either. We're down to Toronto, Edmonton, or Las Vegas, it sounds like. The moment they said it wasn't going to be St. Louis, I was like, I don't really care. Just play. I just, whatever the safest ones are, go with those. And let's call it a day. I'm kind of done with this. If it, if that means Edmonton and Toronto, that's fine by me. Which I hear, which I hear, is a really big possibility really? now that they go with Edmonton and Toronto, and uh, for multiple reasons. But the biggest one is what Joey Vitale talked about yesterday, and we talked about after. It's a dollar and a half on the dollar. U.S. dollars worth a lot more. They can go up there, spend less money to accomplish what they need to do, and. Right now, when they're hemorrhaging money because of this pandemic, that's a good business to say. It's worth a shot, you know? Yeah. It's worth doing that. And if, if at the end of the day, these players aren't going to be out going into the city anyways, what's the difference, right? You have a little bit cooler temperatures up there, so maybe you don't have to have as many concerns about the ice conditions if those were a concern, concern for anybody. And you also have a very clear plan from both cities. I'm not too worried about that anymore. You want to play a game, Jamie, before we get out of here? Would you like to play a game? Remember that movie? I loved that movie. Scared the hiccups out of you. It wasn't even that scary. It was like a thriller. I don't care. I liked it. (laughs) It's Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kiley. Let's play a game of In or Out next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kiley. He is Tanner Hendrickson. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. In or out, let's play a game of it. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line if you would like to throw something at us today. Probably want to throw something at us. But if you want to. Things at you all over the place, BK. If you want to suggest an in or an out on the show, that's the place to do so. 65780. All right, listen, we got to figure out a way to move forward. In or out, Jamie Rivers. We talked about Justin Falk earlier today. Mm hmm. Jeremy Rutherford had a fantastic piece with Justin Falk on what his role has been, what it will be, and why he feels more comfortable moving forward. In or out, Justin Falk is going to have a big moment for the Blues in their playoff run. I'm in on that. I'm in on that. I think that uh, your veteran guys certainly have to have big moments in playoff runs. We saw it last year with a lot of veteran guys having really big moments for the Blues. This will be no different for Justin Falk. I think the break is essential for him. I think that it's a reset within a season, which is rare. 
And I think that uh, he's going to come back confident and ready to roll. So, yeah, I'm in. I'm in as well. I think Justin Falk's going to have a great return. Uh, I was high That's on him I'm when we talking got talking about boys. Booyah! I was high on him when we acquired him, and I know he struggled there early on. But like Jamie said, he's going to come back from this refresh. As you mentioned in the piece, he's moved into his house here in St. Louis. I'm in on this. How many goals do you think he has in the playoffs, Jamie? Career Let's get a prediction here. Career? No, 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 no. In this postseason, oh. how many goals are you projecting for one Justin Falk? He had five and sixty-nine games. Very nice uh, this season. What are you going with for the playoffs? You know what? For me, look at it, it's not about goals and assists. I'll put a number I out know, there, but just I'm not, listen. I'm not trying to. With me, I'm Jamie. not trying to throw water on your flame here. Okay, but I think that what he's going to do for the Blues is going to be bigger than that. Now, if you want a goal number for me, I think he gets three goals. Three goals in the playoffs. I think he gets three goals, and Ooh. I think that uh, I would say that there's going to be one of them that's a game winner. It's going to be a big, big goal. Is it going to be like a Gunnarsson goal? Like, I, Yes, exactly. Comparable to a Gunnarsson goal, little one-timer from the point, finds its way through. 3-2 Blues, we win, baby! No. I loved the goal horn. Can yeah. we get another one of those? Let's see. That one was even better. Take two was even better. What do you got? Number of goals. I'm saying one. I mean, I don't... Defenseman to me, it's hard to All score right, to be from the point. I'd say one goal. All right, Tanner. We were giving well, you It's going to be a big one, right, T-Bone? <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a game winner. I'm going two. I'll take the middle. Oh, boy. I'll take the middle. He's going to have two goals in the postseason. All right. In or out? 65780 is the air comfort service tax line if you'd like to throw any our way. In or out, Jamie? On the NBA... Using policing to enforce their players. Oh my God. Staying on campus. The NBA has officially shared the way that they're going to keep things internal in the bubble. Of course, it is with the use of police. They're going to use local, what state, and federal law enforcement Ugh. to secure the bubble in Orlando. Now, this doesn't mean necessarily, I, we don't know for sure the exact protocols for them, but. I would imagine this means to keep people out of the bubble more than it does to keep people in the bubble. They say that that is up to the players, but what do you think about this? In or uh, I'm out on this right now. I mean, look, I think they have to have some kind of perimeter created between Joe Public and the players. That, but then again, I, I think they got to clarify. <laughs> are these people there to keep the other people out? Or are they trying to keep the players in? And if it's the second of the two versions, I don't see that going really well here right now. I think that, uh, you know, maybe you have a, a, a Disney security team. I don't think using law enforcement and all that. I don't think that's the right call right now. I think that uh, they got to use some form of definitely keeping track of everybody. But let's use it for Joe Public. If the players want to go out, it is what it is. They're going to do it. They're going to mess it up for their team. Um, but, yeah, I'm out on this one. Yeah, I'm out as well. I don't see oh, them releasing anybody. Did you just say we're wrong? Very wrong. <laughs> I'm in. This is a great idea. How do you even think that right now? Because as long I, let me clarify here. You better, because I'm not I'm not, I'm gonna I'm not don't you bring that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> it's a very bad idea if they're policing the players this way. I don't think they're going to. I think their plan will be, and maybe I'm naive in thinking this, but I think the plan is this is the way to keep people out of the bubble as opposed to keeping people in the bubble. 
I think you're going to see them turning away the fans that are coming to try to get a picture with LeBron James. Oh, we got to get our little selfie over here. I think it's going to be more about that than it will be about, hey, Giannis, you can't go ride Space Mountain for the 27th time today. But he likes it. It's good. It is a good ride. It is a good ride. Maybe he Splash can. Mountain's getting a, a remodel? Why? Apparently something about the song that they play. It's got um, a troubled past. All right. Probably for the best. Good vibes. <laughs> 65780 is the air comfort service text line for in or out. Jamie, in or out, by the end of the regular season for the Cardinals, Dylan Carlson is your everyday starting outfielder. Oh, wow. Um, uh, I think he is. I'm in. I think that his performance will be good enough throughout the course of the season that when it's go time, they're going to look at him and go, you know what? This kid's ready to go. He is our best option. And if he's the best option, they will go with him. So, yes, I'm in. I'm probably going to get a lot of hate on this one, but I'm going out. Who do you think gets it? I, I either like Lane Thomas or Tyler O'Neill. Mm. I'm I'm really high on O'Neill. I look at O'Neill as a Randall Gritchick, and if he hits 230, now again, I know it's a shortened season, but if he hits 230, hits the 30 bombs, and drives in, the, I think it was 80, what was Gritchick's numbers last year, I'd love that in the offense. Plus, that would have been tops on our team almost last year, if not the top, if I'm not mistaken. So, I'm out. Hmm. I'm going in. Maybe this is me thinking positively right now, but it's a feel-good Friday. <sighs> You're thinking that's a good start. It is a fantastic start, and it is certainly different than a typical show for us, Jamie. I'm in because I think if that is what Tyler O'Neill does this season, I think he sees a lot more time at DH. I think they're going to love what Dylan Carlson brings in the outfield defensively. Isn't Tyler O'Neill good defensively? He's okay. He's, He's okay. okay. He was supposed to be really good, and every time he comes Lane up... Lane Thomas is better Lane Thomas is better okay. defensively. But right. every time Tyler O'Neill comes up, there's like some weird route that he takes. It it, it just never looks easy Tyler for him O'Neal? out there. Yeah. He's trying to get a little, a few extra reps in. Let's make sure he gets <laughs> maximizes his quad exercises. Somebody says 30 bombs in 60 games. What does this guy smoke? Okay, I, I think Tanner was saying like in a typical no, season. Yeah, what I was yeah, saying yeah. Typical season. I almost jumped in bombs. there too, but I knew what you were saying. I was waiting for the text line though to hold you accountable for that. <laughs> so like 10 to 12 is what he'd probably hit over the course of this season. I, I think... <laughs> Sorry, I just read the text line. <laughs> Never do that. Always a bad decision. Oh. I think what we're going to see this year is Dylan Carlson's your everyday starting outfielder in left field. I think they're going to stick with Harrison Bader unless he just cannot hit at all because they love what he brings in center. And now you have the DH. So it, you don't have those two spots at the bottom of your lineup that are a total zero with him and the pitcher coming up next. The one that I will absolutely be paying attention to, though, is Dexter Fowler. What, what happens with him this year? If he hits a little bit, if he just hits league average, I think he's your starting right fielder every day. If he doesn't, that's when Lane Thomas becomes really interesting. Is not for left field for me, but for right field. I think we could see him start out there if Dexter oh. Fowler really struggles this season. Good call, BK. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. We've got one more for you, Jamie. <laughs> this is the one. In or out. Of the holding cell for Rivers tonight after he drinks the over on the wine. Uh, there'll be no holding cell. 
I'm out in Carnival. I know all those guys. <laughs> no, no, no. No, you might need to tuck me into bed or something, but no, no holding. So, come on, guys. I'm a middle-aged, smart man these days. I've got gray hair now. I'm supposed to be way smarter. You do about have things. the gray. When did that start coming in for you? Uh, gray hair? Yeah. Truthfully, I was like 14. Oh, man, don't lie. No, like 14. I did started you color it. I did for a while. Yeah, I didn't want to look like I was a thousand, and then I just stopped caring. How old were you when you started coloring? Oh, I don't know. It wasn't always that bad though. Like you let it go for a while. You're playing hockey, and you know you touch it up every now and then. But uh, yeah, I don't know how old it was, but now just we- so when it went full gray, you were how old? Because now it's just like it's no longer the salt and pepper. It's just just a lot of salt. Yeah, eh? <laughs> funny guy, funny guy. Now I, I don't know. It was uh, th- to be honest, I didn't even realize it was so fully gray until my daughter like shaved my head into a mohawk during the <laughs> beginning of the pandemic, and then it came back in his white, and I was like, ha! all right, I guess I'm old. I'm wondering, I'm asking these questions, of course, because I'm wondering when that's going to happen for me. Have you gray hair? Yeah. How much stress do you have in your life? Jamie, I work with you every day. That's a good <laughs> point. You'll be great so by next year. <laughs> 65780 is air comfort service text line from the 314. I'm not sure what this is about, but they say, BK, you're right. You do look like an idiot. Huh. Applies on a lot of things, so I appreciate that. With Jamie Rivers and Tanner Hendrickson. We're going to finish things out. I'm Brandon Kylie. crossing things over with the fast lane next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. It's taking you into the weekend. Superstar. Superstar. Shot. Well, I think Jamie it's catching on. What? It's ca- well, that's what I call him. I say I gotta go talk to BK and Superstar. I'll be back, guys. That's what I do. That's what you do? Most people know what you're talking or who you're talking about at the time. They do now, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, they say Burton is in in the the room with with BK. Jeff Burton. Hey Jeff, hope you're doing good on Friday, buddy. I know you're listening. Wait, what's the thing with Jeff Burton? You got a is there a beef? Just with Mm. Jamie and Burton. You got got a beef? Because beef at all times. I know Jeff likes beef, but I don't know if we're in a beef. I feel like you were. We were? Yeah. Jeff? I've known Jeff for 20 years. That doesn't mean he can't be in a beef with us. That's him. a good point. Should we just start one? Well, we've already got a beef with those guys. Yeah, so you guys, I mean, maybe we should just start trying to pick them off. Like, every show starts picking them off. Uh, divide and conquer, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever it takes to right. help us out, help us out. All right. I mean, I think we already win, but whatever. Wow. Well, we, we can use any amount of help that we can get. We'll I, take it. I think the fact that Riz showed up alone... Initially, and that King Scott was really late to the party. Very late. And that the rest of the crew just, oh, I guess they were too busy Mm -hmm. at that point. I think that says a lot, Raj. You know, Rizzuto took time away from his ranch (laughs) where he's a rope and steer or whatever it is people do on ranches. Took time away to come see us, you know? I mean, granted, he had a a megaphone Mm -hmm. and he was disrupting our broadcast, but he showed up. He did. He faced us alone. And like you said, King Scott showed up. But, 
You know, it's like showing up to the battlefield and everybody's already dead, bleeding out. <laughs> yeah. He showed up like, I'm here, guys. Same like, thing, yeah. I, oh, I, okay, I see what are you going to do? It's like that buddy in high school when, like, you know, like, you're going at 3 o'clock, right? There's going to be a fight in the parking lot. And everybody knows about it. Yeah, I'm bringing my buddies. I got my buddies. And your buddies show up, like, five minutes yeah, late? He shows up at 3.20. Yeah, and you're like, oh, but we showed up. Yeah. A lot of good you did then. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. But Rizzuto did show up. and He did. He had a bad you know. back, too. He had a bad really? back. How long has that been going on? Well, apparently he was cutting his grass. I don't think he was oh, like... I thought you were making a joke about him carrying the team. Well, oh. I guess we could go there. I guess good we could God. go there. But no, yeah. he had a bad back. He was cutting uh, at his ranch. The grass or whatever threw his back out. Must yeah. be a... Do you know when that happened? Uh, about a week back. <sighs> I will actually, and I, you know what? I would give you your moment. That was incredible. That was oh, incredible. What? Well, it, you're it, just I usually not funny, about a week so back. that was incredible. <laughs> oh, get lost. <laughs> All right, Raj, I do have a question for you. Um, get lost. <laughs> so we brought this up on the show yesterday, and then I tweeted it out last night. Uh, my girlfriend and I are hoping to take some sort of a oh. like weekend getaway. In the month of July. Before. Can't go to Texas or Florida. <laughs> Don't go to Florida, but wait, the NBA's going to Florida. <laughs> Everybody's going to Florida. Unless you're quarantined, in which case you're totally fine. Yeah, they just closed all the bars in Texas and Florida. Yeah. Again. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, everything's going great. So positive. we're trying to figure out where to go. And yes, that is certainly something that we're taking into account. <laughs> um, what's your go-to for a weekend getaway? Like when you, when you, or do you have one, I guess would be another question. No, I, I really don't. If I go anywhere, I go to Chicago to visit friends. That's it. Like you don't for really, a weekend, you're not a travel guy. You know what? I'd I would like have to expected be, that you I would, would like be, to be. I would like to be more of a really? travel guy. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just, I just don't get a chance to. I, I would really like it. Let me ask you this, Ronj. Have you ever, like... I feel like George Costanza when he's like, uh, <laughs> I, I would love to be a Civil War buff. <laughs> I, I really want to be a Civil... I, I mean, I like would like to be a traveler. Do you like the beach? Yeah. Do you like, do you, I, I, what, I like stuff. I like, like going to places. What's the most exotic place Chris Ronji has been? Exotic? Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> Let's keep it in context here. I mean, Florida's pretty damn weird, so I may be there. Yeah, but have, have you ever been out like of the country? Bahamas, I have not. Barbados. You, no. You know, nothing no. like that. I haven't gotten to do anything cool. I've been to Jamaica. Good I've been for to you. Peru. Humble I've been brag. to Mexico. Good yeah, for you, man. Just dropping that everywhere, isn't he? Yeah. The Jamaica trip was free. The Peru trip was a mission trip. And the Mexico trip was a family trip. Now, the Peru trip, was it paid for? Uh, I was a high school football player, and it was a mission trip that we did my senior year, where we went down there and we built an orphanage for them down there. So it was, was it paid pay- for by fundraising. Wow. Um, we ended up paying for the whole trip via fundraising that we did throughout the entire year. So it wasn't like it was a mission trip. For. Maybe you got a fundraise. I guess. That's I guess. what we got to do. We got to start a GoFundMe Chris Ronji fundraiser. Country. <laughs> hey, if you guys want to send me on vacation, cool. Oh, don't do that. Now, BT, hang on. BT installs just donated. <laughs> oh, did they? <laughs> just 500 bucks a piece. You're good I, to go, yeah, They man. did. I, they did, I'm that sure. That Venmo came quickly. Hey. Holy moly. Well, they'd like the show to be worse for a week or two. Go ahead. <laughs> feel, feel, feel free. 
What's your go-to spot if you're going on uh, vacation? If I'm going on, well, first of all, there's not many vacations in the Rivers house. Something's always going on. So. Let's say a weekend. You get, you've got a weekend that you're off. You don't have to do anything. You can go for an extended. You leave work on Friday from yeah. here. You're able to go wherever, and then you've got through, let's say, Monday. Going up to the lake. My mother-in-law has a little cabin up there, and it's not like Lake of the Ozarks where it's like all the condos and stuff. Like We're literally in the middle of the woods, and we take a little side-by-side down to the water. Do you see a lot of moose? I uh, haven't seen any moose yet. Have and you ever seen, seen a moose like in coyote? person? Yes, I have. Absolutely. Like not at a zoo, but like a, like just no, out and about. Like I, oh my god, there's a moose. We uh, I did a hockey camp in Canmore, Alberta, which is where Jay Bowmeister's from. Oh, wow. actually, hey, a little segue there. Um, and myself, Todd Harvey, Chris Pronger was there, and we were out in the mountains, and there was moose everywhere. Now. So we got out and took pictures with the moose, which we found out later that we probably should, should not, not have. have. They're got, dangerous. Yeah. Doesn't everybody in Canada know that moose are well, yeah, dangerous? But well, I just figured like it's like it's, it's kind of like one of our mascots. Like they will demolish you. Yeah. I mean, really? I was yeah. Ready for they're it. very, very dangerous. No, I wasn't. They were big, man. Yeah, they're huge. These antlers were sticking way out, and we're like taking pictures, like not the selfies because we didn't have those. But the guy's like taking a picture of you, and you're trying to get as close as you can. Like, oh like, my god, feel the moose's breath. Yeah, on the that's back not of good. My neck. You're lucky to be alive. I am. Oh my god, yeah, moose are really dangerous. And I thought that you know, just being in Canada, that's a thing you know. Like you're from Arizona, you know. Hey, rattlesnakes, bad. Stay away from rattlesnakes. You would think that in Canada, yeah, moose bad. Stay away from moose. They're adorable, but we're but they'll kill you. We were teenage boys. I think we were like eighteen at the time. I just and, don't. You know, sometimes your balls are bigger than your brain. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I think that was a clear case of it at that point. Yeah, but Rivs, I just kind of figured that it was part of your your handbook growing up, right? Like everybody <laughs> yeah. in Canada is taught about the moose. Yeah, it's true. The Stay only... away from the moose. It gets <laughs> really cold. Get away from the moose. Wear eh? boots outside and keep away from moose. The only thing I've ever seen similar to that is a bison whenever I went to Yellowstone. There was like a herd of bison that were crossing the street as we were driving in to go into the park. What kind of vehicle were you in? We were in a SUV, so they they didn't get us. We were safe. <laughs> you're lucky. Even the SUV, if they decide to, if they oh yeah, they'll they'll get. If you. they get a twitch, you're getting it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we were good. We, Don't we ended up spook them. That's true. Don't spook the moose. Don't spook the bison, the buffalo. How would you spook a moose? I don't know. Like, sneak up on it? Do you just hide? Do and go go to just, how, how do you? I don't know. That's do a great you spook question. A moose? I mean, I don't know. Ron said it. Well, I just wanted to start a handbook you, of things you don't do. I would say it's probably pretty easy to startle a moose. You, you, you know, you, you're, you're, you're in the brush and you step out, and then there's a moose on the same trail as you, and he sees you, and you see him, and he's like, uh uh-uh. uh. You get out of here, son, and then he will, uh, whatever they do, run you over. Yeah, they run, too. They can they can move. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. can move. I just, I'm really shocked that growing up in Canada, you didn't know anything about that. Well, we knew all about the moose. We see them quite a bit, to be honest. Yeah. And like, so it's it's not like, it's not like it was a lion sitting there, and I'm like, oh, let's go pet the lion, you know? Like, <laughs> well, a little different. Hang, they, like, hang out in the suburbs. You know, there are videos of people they looking out the window. Hey, there's a moose in the driveway. <laughs> moose are swimming in your pool. Yeah. Like, from no... Yeah, see? So Dude, those things it's are... like a squirrel here. You kind of feel thing, like right? a little bit of a connection. Like, this moose knows I'm not here to harm it. He's going to be okay. He likes the photo op. Well, I don't know if I would get close to one. So that that's your... If you go to Canada, anybody who's listening who likes to take adventurous trips... And I would love to go to Canada. I would love it. I think it's... Uh, 
It sounds like a really. It sounds like the kind of place I would like. Have so, you ever been to Banff? Yes. Holy cow! The what pictures that? of that place are it's, incredible. Uh, in between Calgary and Edmonton, up in okay. the mountains, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, you were telling me Edmonton's great. So that's st- by the way, Edmonton is still on the table as one of the the hub cities, right? Mm-hmm. They've narrowed it down to five. I think they're going to get it. So it's Edmonton, Vegas, Toronto. Chicago. Yeah, Chicago, Toronto, there, and L.A. They're just right? yeah. It's L.A. and Chicago are like right now. I think they're tokens. Like, hey, we're going to keep you around for a little bit. Yeah, but I don't think so. I think it's Vegas, Edmonton, Toronto. And I do think, after further consideration and poking around a little bit, I think we're going to end up with Edmonton and Toronto. Canada sucks. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Who wants to die today? <laughs> Not <laughs> me. Team is going out on top. They don't have workers' comp for part-timers. son. Death wish. Ron, what's coming up today, buddy? Hey, we're going to talk about some baseball coming out. Because now we have to consider the real possibility there's going to be baseball in a month. Like... A little bit less than a month from now, we should see some baseball action with players reporting to their uh, summer training on Wednesday. Everybody's going to be in camp. Then we're going to have baseball because, of course, there are going to be no hiccups whatsoever. All of this is going to run 100% smoothly, and we're going to be great and have ball. So we're going to talk about what the Cardinals' strategy looking like in 2020, what that's going to be. That's coming up next. And hopefully if the trends continue this way, it sounds like based on our conversation with Lida Cruz, and it's at least possible that fans could be in the stands here in St. Louis. So we'll see what that looks like oh as boy. well. You know what else you got to look out for in Canada? One thing, especially for you, Ronge. What's that? Got to watch out for Bad Beaver. For Jamie Rivers and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie, uh, And I'm the one who's not funny. Fast Lane's coming up next. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN.